listening to Wide Men Can't Jump on the Wide Men Radio Network located at blogtalkradio.com slash Jump. This show is brought to you by the law offices of Stephen T. New at newlawoffice.com, stripcamfun.com, Atomic Comics and Collectibles LLC located at facebook.com backslash Atomic Comics and Collectibles LLC, as well as at Stay Classy Meats at stayclassymeats.com where you can use promo code WIDEMEN to save 10% on your order and receive a free pound of Montana grass-fed ground beef. This show talks about NBA and covers all topics from all 30 teams in the league and includes guests from experts from all over the world. Make sure you're downloading us on iTunes, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, Google Play, FM Flash, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and more. Be sure to join in on the fun over at WideMenCan'tJump.com as well as on our Facebook group, Wide Men Can't Jump, and follow us on Twitter at WideJump. Now, let's go to the flagship program of this Wide Men Radio Network. Here's Wide Men Can't Jump. One hundred episodes and counting. What's up, everybody? It's Wide Men Can't Jump's 100th episode, and Tim is with me as always. Tim, what's up? 100 Man, episodes. Am I feeling the weight of 100 episodes today, let me tell you. Oh, yeah. It is a huge undertaking, this show, and we're putting it all together for you here on Wide Men Can't Jump. And I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to start off this episode with a little NBA news, noteworthy, of Wide Men Can't Jump. Ladies and gentlemen, preseason basketball has started. And in case you've been living under a rock and you haven't been paying attention, last night, I'm saying this, this is not a joke, I'm not kidding, Ben Simmons shot and made a three-pointer. Tell me he didn't just say that. I did just say that. Ben Simmons has made a three-point jumper. I'm pretty sure... I have it on good authority from Nassau that the sun disappeared about that same time. <laughs> I'll tell you, I'll tell you what he did it just for the show. He knew it was our 100th episode. He wanted to get us a present and that was a present. And, uh, and did you well, hear what, the reaction? Did you hear the reaction when said, Simmons you, made that three? You would have swore to God. That was a game seven of a playoff series that they just won on that. Yeah. Spot. That's it how monumentally like, epic it was. <laughs> and this was a preseason game of all things, and the crowd absolutely erupted. I mean, if and, Tom Robinson had been there, it would have been something he could have told little TR about. <laughs> Indeed. It's going to be something that a lot of Philly fans are telling their kids about because it was unreal. I was there. I was there that day <laughs> Ben Simmons sunk a three. I know it sounds crazy, son, but I was there. And Ben Simmons making a three-point shot now. A lot of people are going to put a lot more into this than it it really needs to be. Okay, he made one three-pointer, ladies and gentlemen. And he did it just because he was open and they were up 20. The problem with Simmons is, will he have enough, I don't want to say balls per se, but will he have enough, Whereabouts to shoot when 
he's open during a game that's close. And really, you know, if you really want to look at it even more objectively, so a guard shot a three-point shot. Big whoopie shit. Not just a guard. The number one pick in the draft. And a guy who's getting paid, what, a hundred and however many millions of dollars it is. He made a three in, what, his fourth season? Third season, whatever it is. Big deal. I mean, God, this is something high school kids can do. I mean, I can can zip down to the Logan gym and watch kids shoot threes if I want to. Mm, That's true, but... It's one of those where it's like, wow, we're celebrating this multimillionaire, huge contract-having player for making a three. Uh, For doing something he should have been able to do from day one. Absolutely. I agree. And for some reason reason couldn't, which is a whole other broadcast. Absolutely. But But he did make one. He made one. Yeah, 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 give him that. Not official, though. He's got to make one in the regular season for it to really count for anything. And I guess he thinks that people still aren't going to back off of him when he shoots a three. They're still going to do it. They're going to back up. Yeah, they're going to let him shoot until he makes, you know. Until he makes you pay in a regular season game, people aren't going to respect that three-point shot. That's just the way it is. Wait until he has nobody on him and he throws one up and and he hits the iron or air balls it. And then the really? crowd, then the Philly crowd starts throwing rocks at them and cell phones and their firstborn and whatever else Philly fans <laughs> can throw. Well, I'll tell you this. Speaking speaking of throwing stuff, the Toronto Raptors have thrown money at Kyle Lowry, one year, thirty one million dollar contract extension, and that right there will keep him out of the July free agency market. He'll be in Toronto for at least one more year. Why one more year? Do you think, Tim? Why only one year on Kyle Lowry? Well, what, here, yeah. What does that What does that say about how they feel about him? He's good. But I think not good in, he's good, but not good enough to. Well, to thirty-one million dollars for one year of work. That's not too bad. Uh, I think what they're doing is they're throwing money at him now and saying, "Prove yourself, and we will max you." I think that's what well, it is, and they're trying they to keep have... him out of the free agency pool. For this summer, because this summer the free agency pool is going to be ridiculous. It's not going to be real deep. In two years, it's going to be ridiculous. And, they, and, Lowry, well, and, they, and they know have, that they can offer him money. Yeah, but they also have money in two years. And if they don't want to keep him, they don't have to. Like they could sign well, somebody go. else and, and let him walk if they wanted to. He's pretty well liked in Toronto. So it might have been more, uh, you know, okay, we watched Leonard left and there was nothing we could do about it. Now, if we let Lowry walk and get nothing for him, et cetera, et cetera, maybe that doesn't mm-hmm. play well. It doesn't play well to the fan base, so maybe that's yeah. the reason for I, it. I think it's smart. They restructure that. They, they get that deal. They give him a max deal because they probably had extra money. They realize they're not going to compete for a championship this year. Um, no. So, go ahead, yeah, pay him, show him, show him an appreciation there for what he's done for the team. Then, if he decides to stay after next year, you can restructure his deal to bring in another star player to make a run at it. Or, if you want, you can max him, depending on how much money you have. It'll it'll be a wait-and-see process. But I think it's smart to not let him free this offseason where a lot of teams could offer him a, super ma- or a max deal and force Toronto's hand 
Smart move by the and, Raptors organization, uh, if you ask me. Uh, and never forget that the Toronto Raptors, the people that own that organization, have more money than they know what to do with. They have absolutely no problem giving him a boatload if they don't have anybody else to oh, give yeah. it to. Like oh, they'll go luxury about, tax if they have to. Yeah, they don't yeah, care. They're not, they're not worried about any of that. That, that joint's got more money than – I mean, they're one of the biggest businesses in Canada, bar none. So, yeah. you know, $31 million, nothing to them. So, Well, speaking of big business, let's talk about the good people at New Law Office because he's bringing down big businesses that are wronging you. Stephen P. New, the crack attorney here from West Virginia, bringing justice to the little guy. And, Tim, you and I have have seen him go to work firsthand. That we have. We've, uh, without getting into any of the details, we have had some small role in this attack. Well, that's a different story for a different time, but the law well, yeah, no, of Stephen P. New, that, yes, they can help you with whatever is going on in your world. Let's hear some more from Stephen P. New. Personal injury, product liability, workplace accidents, mesothelioma law, social security disability, unfair insurance practices, family law, employment discrimination, and more. All this can be handled at New Law Office with Stephen P. New. It's New Law Office with Stephen P. New. You can get your free consultation today by calling 1-800-208-9169 or 304-362-7345 for your free consultation. A new level of personal service, whether you've been injured or facing divorce or experiencing workplace discrimination, you can rely on compassionate, thorough representation from New Law Office. Be sure to contact Stephen P. New Law Office at newlawoffice.com or again get your free consultation at 1 800 203 9169. Stephen P. New, answers to your legal questions. Then again, we want to thank, once again, excuse me, not then again, once again, we want to thank the law offices of Stephen P. New for their continued support here on the program. Well, Tim, we're going to be joined by one of our earliest guests here on this episode. We're going to be joined by Bobby Blaze. Should we go ahead and roll to that? Uh, love me some Bobby Blaze. Roll the tape, baby. Absolutely. Let's roll to Bobby Blaze right now. The following contains content that may not be suitable for listeners of all ages. It contains crude, lewd sexual humor as well as profanity. Listener discretion is advised. It's episode 100 of Wide Men Can't Jump. The basketball show that started two years ago has finally reached triple digits. It's our 100th episode. It's Nate joining me right now, as always. As always, my good friend from the Great White North, it's Tim Dombrova from way up in Canada. Oh, God, here we go. <laughs> well, that, Man, the voice, queen, rem- the, the that voice reminds us of uh, Sue the Shooter, doesn't it? Oh, well, a tiny bit, I guess. Tiny bit. Speaking of Sue the Shooter, ladies and gentlemen, the 100th episode requires a lot of special guests, and we can think of none better than one of the earliest guests in our podcast history, the one, the only, the former Smoky Mountain Heavyweight Champion and the host of the Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze podcast. Please welcome Bobby Blaze back onto the show. Hey, man, I'm glad to be here on the Wide Men Can't Jump 100th episode. Congratulations, guys. That is totally awesome. 
Big, well, thank big you. Thank you, Bobby. Did you know that uh, Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze is my favorite podcast that I've never been on? Intent. <laughs> I, I think we only had one guest so far. I think <laughs> you, you don't. You don't want me on. You guys know so much more than me about that <laughs> stuff. I'd just be a dead dead weight on that show. I have not it, missed I'm, I'm, one one episode. I have not missed an me, episode. Me neither. Thank you. Listen to it every week or whenever it does manage to come out, which is almost every week. Every once in a while, not yeah. but. Well, we recorded this past Sunday, but uh, we had some glitches, so it didn't go up yesterday. But it'll go up soon. Oh, that's fine. We love the Bell to Bell Bobby Blaze, and you should too. You should check it out. Uh, If you're a fan of just wrestling in general, pro wrestling, good pro wrestling, not that dirty E word that Bobby hates, uh, (laughs) we'll go ahead and tell you. Go check out Bell to Bell Bobby Blaze. It's available everywhere. We love the show. And we've been a part of it, Tim and I, since the beginning in terms of listening and trying to contribute and uh, and all that. But check it out. But Bobby's been, yeah. before Bobby's podcast started, Bobby's been a, a friend of ours here on the show. Um, I don't even remember what episode it was, but it was incredibly early on in the Wide Men Can't Jump run. When we were first getting started, Bobby was one of our first guests. He came on, was a super great guest to have, and was able to tell us some old stories of being involved in basketball way, way back when, uh, when Bobby was playing. So that one, yeah. it was always good to have Bobby. Episode seven was what the episode Bobby was on. Good so, Lord. Wow. Yeah, Bobby, episode wow. seven. And we never had him <laughs> back till now? Well, we've had him on our, our roundtable episodes. We've done the interviews with Dan Severin. We've done uh, – some other things like that with Bobby. He's done some NFL picks That's with true. us. But here on the flagship show, Bobby was episode seven, which uh, thank you baby. so much, Bobby, for being there early on and, and helping thank us you. out. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I love being on your show. I appreciate it. I love doing several different podcasts, this being the main one. I appreciate it. I like this one and a, a few others I've been a, a guest on, and it's always a pleasure for me to be on them. Um, because I, I patronize and, and friends with uh, and fans of, you know, just the ones I really enjoy, that's the, that's the people I stay in contact with. There's a couple I've kind of lost contact with that's reached out to me. It's just been bad timing to get back on them. But it's always a pleasure to be on a wide man camp jump, whether we're talking basketball, whether we're talking professional wrestling, or just anything else that you all throw out there. Uh, it's always been really fun. The, I appreciate the Dan Severn episode. That turned out really good. You guys did a great job with it. Um, appreciate it very much, and, and I hope you all done really well with it. So thank you. Oh, we appreciate you you and Dan doing that with us. And uh, if you don't know what we're talking about, uh, Dan Severin and Bobby Blaze did an interview. It's called The Gentleman's Agreement. If you haven't heard it, you can either check it out. It's on our Patreon account, uh, or you can go check it out on YouTube. Uh, Bobby's YouTube account, it's the, the Bell to Bell Bla- with Bobby Blaze YouTube. Go check it out. It's up there with some uh, stuff. Tex Johnson's a wizard um, when it comes yeah. to graphics and putting videos together. That man is incredible with what he yeah. can do. And uh, go check it out. It's it's a great episode. Yeah. It was it was fun for Thank Tim you. and I to be involved in. Yeah. Thank you for that plug. Thanks for letting us use that. Yeah. My co-host um, is uh, Jeremy Biller, the professor, as I call him. And then Tex yeah. does all the graphics. And if you go to uh, uh, tallyurl.com 
backslash BBBB video. That'll get you to our YouTube channel or just type in the Bell to Bell podcast on YouTube. You'll find it. And uh, that gentleman's agreement turned out really well. Um, it's really well done. I appreciate it. The matches uh, fit right in real nice and tight with the uh, uh, commentary and interview between us and, and Dan and with Dan. So pretty cool stuff, man. Pretty cool stuff. Yeah, we've and, got to do a uh, lot here. out down in the boiler room doing all that stuff, man. <laughs> yeah, he's he's amazing, and uh, I've actually been in yeah. contact with him. Uh, I actually have a few questions I got to run by him, but uh, yeah, he he's great. I love Tex, and he was a super nice guy when we all got to meet up together. Um, I do want to bring this up with uh, Bell to Bell with Bobby Blake. Speaking of that, uh, in case you haven't heard, Bobby's got books. Go check them out. Um, I kicked yeah, out onto the Education of a Wrestler was the second book he put out. Check it out, and the first book. Pay me I've got both books. They're incredible. You start reading them, you can't put them down. Read them, get them. You can get them at uh, tinyurl.com slash blazebook1 and tinyurl.com slash blazebook2. We want to plug Bobby's stuff because Bobby's our friend. We support him. He's not paying us for this. This is me plugging a friend and this hey, now watch fantastic it, author. <laughs> I mean, that book... That book was so good, they let it across the, the Canadian border, Bobby. That's how good it was. Oh, they did. Man. Well, um, I'll go ahead and just tell you I appreciate that plug. And um, I was going to mail you a couple books, Nate. I'll get your address off here. I had meant to text you back yesterday. Um, I wanted to give you all a couple books to give away to a couple of listeners, if you'd like. Um, oh, that would be great. i another podcast. Yeah, I'm going to try to mail them out Friday to you. I know Tim's up at a Great White North, but I had um, – had made up my mind last week when we uh, text. I had a, um, I had another podcast I'd done with the uh, Book of the Territory, and so I put back a couple of books. I was going to mail them a couple uh, where I was on there about beating Jerry Lawler and that debut. What well, didn't debut? It was on you know their debut of their show where they're on episode mm-hmm. one whatever. And um, anyway, I wanted to send you all some too since you've been so good to me, and you can give them away as a gift to a couple of listeners. It'd be make a nice gift. Uh, for the holiday season for someone if they're wrestling fans. So, oh, God. Um, anyway, Ed Bogus got go. super Keep excited playing. out there. I can already tell he's he's ready to go. He He's going to want one of those. <laughs> guarantee it. But I do I do well, want to put this. I sent you my uh, – I just texted you my address, Bobby, uh, okay. to your number. Good. But yeah, I had it on a notebook somewhere here, but that notebook's quite buried under a couple other notebooks. So I'll, <laughs> I understand. Uh, I'll get something out Friday for you. I'll have you a couple of books in a package and uh, get them to you. Um, that one well, you we can't wait for that. You want. Yeah, we can't wait for um, that. And uh, Tim, you had you had a little something for Bobby, did you not? For well, this I, don't know if, I don't know if Bobby remembers, but way back in the day, I had promised him that we would do a. Well, I don't want to. We were trying to keep this semi clean today, but uh, a little game called Fuck Mary Kill. But I've renamed it uh, uh, Bang. <laughs> I've renamed it Bang Bond or Barry. So, <laughs> what was it? Bang, bang, what? bond, bang, so mar- bond. So you're gonna marry him, bond, or bury him. Those are your picks. Okay. okay. All right. And I'll start with a couple easy ones. You and Nate can can mull this over. Oh, All right. Here we go. Number one. No, no. These first two are easy. Well, maybe okay. not easy, but but they're normal. Uh, Alexa Bliss, Charlotte mm. Flair. Mm-hmm. Becky Lynch. Ooh. Oh, that for me? Ugh. Um, I'm probably going to uh, 
kill Alexa. Oh, bury her. Um, I'm going to bone uh, the man Lynch, <laughs> and I, I'll marry Charlotte Flair. That's good stuff right there. So there you go. Okay, fair enough. Um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go a little different here. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to do the bang Alexa Bliss because Lord have mercy. Um, I'm with you on that one. I too am gonna marry Charlotte Flair because uh, I'm a I'm a Flair Mark, and being related hey, to the Flares hey. that would just that would be great for me. And uh, sorry, Becky, gotta. Oh, she's man. getting a little you're big gonna... for she's getting a little big for her britches these days. Anyway, so. you're gonna bury the man, eh? Unfortunately. <laughs> all right, all right, fair enough. Moving on to the next one, a little bit. Uh, this one will probably be a little harder. Sunny. Mm-hmm. Stacy Keebler. Mm. Tori Wilson. Ooh. You gonna go now? We, me to? Are we talking Sunny in her prime or Sunny now? Uh, we'll go. We'll go. And this one will go in the prime because that's gonna make okay. it even harder. Uh, okay. It does. Um. I'm gonna marry Stacy Keebler because that's a that's a trophy wife if I've ever seen one and. uh I know I know sex for the most part stops when you get married, but I'm gonna go ahead and marry Stacy Keebler anyway. Um God almighty. I had a thing for Sonny. I'm gonna bang Sonny. I gotta bury Tori Wilson. As beautiful as Tori is. She Somebody's seems a little too high maintenance. Uh, oh man. Um I've been around Stacy when she first was around and Tori as well. But I think I'm a Griff Nate. I'm gonna to have to probably uh marry Stacy, bury Tori, and just suck Sonny until the sun comes up. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. All right, okay, fair enough. All right. Now right. we're we're now we're gonna to start to get into a little bit of the strange territory here. So Oh God. Um, for those of you listening out there with weak constitutions, you may want to tune away for yeah, a minute. And this is and this is uh, uh this is And not, this just uh, a game, folks. Yeah, yeah, no no <laughs> slam no no slam on anybody mentioned during this game. Uh I love all the people involved for the most part. And uh it, nothing about the sexuality of anybody when we get into the ones that are dudes, just as a warning. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> all right. Next up, comedian Ron White, <laughs> actress Betty White, wrestler Leon White. Oh, God. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> oh man. Oh, I'll just man. say, uh, I guess uh, uh, Mary Betty, uh, fuck, fuck Ron, and Barry Leon, I guess. <laughs> so, um, well, I mean, with all due respect, but I don't know. Ron would be a fun fuck, I would bet. Um, yeah. But uh, Betty, you just, you, you know, you could maybe um, get a little inheritance right there uh, with her. Um Maybe security yeah. or, See, Bobby, uh, Bobby Blaze fucking thinking these things out like logically. <laughs> Don't feel bad because I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> oh shit! I'm a Golden Girls mark too, so I love me some Betty White. Oh, 
Don't care. All right, We're... fair enough. <laughs> I'm just glad you didn't mention a wild white some wonderful West Virginia. Oh God. <laughs> wild oh, white yeah. West Virginia. Jeez. Okay, so we got through the whites there, okay, Nate. Let's see what he's got for us now. All right. All right. <laughs> next, next one is pretty is pretty weird too. Um Jerry the King Lawler. Billy Jean King. And you guys are gonna get a, you guys are gonna get a kick out of this last one. Casey oh, King. Oh no. <laughs> Man. Uh, not, a lot, ahead, not, a lot, not a lot to pick from there in the Okay, okay. The, I hate tennis, so I'm burying Billy Jean King. Um I'm gonna marry Casey King because by God I love me some Casey King and I may j- I'm too old for Lawler, but I think uh <laughs> But I think Lawler would be a good time anyway. I'm almost thirty, so I'm about to hit where Lawler won't go. Uh but yeah. I think I'll agree with you. I'll uh uh barrier butt the king, uh jury the king. That'd be a good time probably, I don't know. Um uh, yeah. not that I you know, whatever. Uh, worst comes to worst, he might draw you, know, you afterward. I'll, I'll get rid of uh, <laughs> Billy Jean King, and uh, I love me some Casey King as well. I'll I'll, I'll marry Casey King. Uh, yeah, don't right. hold me to that now. <laughs> no, okay, um, all right. Moving. moving one thing. Forward. One thing I will say though is if you if you do hook up with Lawler, it'd be like that scene in Titanic where like you're laying there with the heart of the ocean on, and that's it, and he's drawing you. You know, <laughs> that sort oh, of Jesus. Thing. Oh, man. <laughs> Oh, that was twisted. I want you to draw me like one of your French girls, Jerry. <laughs> oh, gee. <laughs> there goes him All coming right. on this show, ever. Okay, well, yeah, it wasn't much chance of that anyway. All right, moving on. All right, we're hitting the, we're at the halfway point here. Oh, my Lord, goodness. how many of these did you put together? Ten. God. Uh, and they're going to they're gonna start to get twisted, boys, so get ready. Um, I thought they were. Oh, no. Orange Cassidy, no. Marco Stunt, or your favorite and mine too, Jock Samson. <laughs> well, um, that's go true. ahead, Bobby. Well, that Orange Cassidy, he looks very fuckable, I guess. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know much about him. I don't know, so oh, fuck, I guess bury bury him. Uh, I mean, uh, bone. Well, yeah, bury him. Uh, uh, I'd probably kill a uh, little stunt guy. You know, barely a hundred pounds or whatever. And uh, I'd marry Jock. Fuck yeah, I'd marry Jock. I see. I'm going to go a different way. I'm going to marry Marco Stunt because I feel like most of the uh, most of the people around would mistake him for just a female. Uh, so I'll, I'll marry him. Uh, Orange Cassidy's got to go. Uh, that's a that's a berry. Uh, but they don't call Jock Samson. Too, just so you know. Well, they don't. They don't call Jock Samson the king of the one night stands for nothing. So I'm gonna. Oh, I'll yeah. go ahead and he'd, take the fuck with Jock. He'd be cheating <laughs> on me if I married him, wouldn't he? He'd be out there doing he would. one night stands all the time. He would. Sure. There's a stranger. Damn, in I missed your house. that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that was a good 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 call of yours, mate. I, I like your picks a lot better on that one. Good okay, right. Thank you. All right. Next up, 
Aja Kong, Awesome Kong, King Kong Bundy. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, okay, I'll start on this. This should, be, this should be easy. This one should be I, easy. I'll marry. I think Awesome Kong, when she's actually, I've seen pictures of Awesome Kong when she's actually like made up and trying to look uh, attractive. I, I'll marry Awesome Kong. Uh, Aja Kong, she seems like a freak. So I, I'll I'll fuck her. And then, uh, sorry, but Bundy's already gone. So he's already buried, yeah. but anyway. He's already yeah. buried, so we'll, I'll go with that. Okay, I'll fuck Elijah. Aja, and then um, Awesome, marry her. I agree with Nate on that. And then Bundy's got to go, so there you go. Right. <laughs> we we'll, love you, we'll Bundy, but... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we got four so, to go. Awesome Kong, yeah, that wouldn't be bad. No, no. No, I think that'd be all right. Okay, now we're going to... These are really going to start to get weird, so... No, boy. Just a warning. <laughs> Bobby! <laughs> <laughs> all right, here you asked for it. Kenny Bolin. <laughs> Jim Cornette. Oh no, Vince Russo. Oh well, that shouldn't be. Go that ahead, Bobby. Hard, Go ahead, Bobby. Oh man. Um, well, I'd fuck it's easy. I'd probably uh, bury uh, Russo. Just he's yeah. gone. Um, yeah. I guess that's a fuck Kitty Bowling. <laughs> And I'm a Cornette guy, so I'd marry Cornette. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to agree with uh, yeah, with Bobby see, on this one. one would be that, I didn't think that one would be that hard. That that kind of was pretty easy. I, 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 yeah. I, lo- I love me some Kenny Bowling now. Don't get me wrong, and he's lost oh, a lot yeah, of weight, absolutely. so he's he's getting quite fuckable yeah. these days. So I'm gonna agree with Bobby. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> there's, a, there's a statement. Yeah. Oh yeah. I like Kenny here. too. No worries there. But I'm a Cornette guy, so I'm going for the long run there. <laughs> oh yeah. When me did too. You, when, when did you ever think you'd hear another man say Kenny Bolin's looking pretty fuckable? <laughs> Damn. <laughs> <laughs> only on wide oh, meat can't jump, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, only here. All right. Three to go, boys. Um, Damn. George, the king of funk, <laughs> Clinton. Oh God. Hillary Clinton. Oh God. Or ha ha Clinton Dix. <laughs> the football player, Clinton Dix. Whose whose first name is Ha Ha, believe it or not. <laughs> ha ha Clinton Dix. I forgot he existed. <laughs> I'm, I'm lost on that name. Sorry on that one. He's a foot, he's a football player. So he's a corner. Yeah. He, he's a corner for uh, the Chicago Bears now. Uh, okay, I <laughs> know, it, but I don't. So I'll uh, I'll go ahead and go. I'll. Oh man, I got to bury Hillary Clinton because she annoys me. Uh, don't like her. Um, not and uh, I'll marry Ha Ha Clinton Dix because he's doing pretty well in uh, his monetary gain. And then uh, George Clinton. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll okay, take him I in the fuck department. You. Yeah, see, that wasn't that I was going to say, George Clinton for sure in a fucking funk right there, man. You got to put That's that right. together. I agree with you. And Hillary, even though I don't know his football player, he's in the NFL and he's doing good and you say so. Yeah, I'll go ahead and marry him, I guess. Keep him around. <laughs> uh, all right. <laughs> yeah. so I'll be late on that. Okay, we got two to go, and these are both Bobby Blaze-centric. 
So, oh man, here we go. So, so get ready, Bobby, because this is going to be tough for you, I'm sure, buddy. Uh, boiler room text. <laughs> boiler text. room text. Boiler room text. I heard you. I'm just making sure. Jeremy Futonzeras Vilmer. <laughs> or Ashland, Kentucky Mayor Steve Gilmore. <laughs> oh well, let me let me just say this right now. I'll just tell you. Um, I'm a Steve Gilmore fan, and I he's one of my favorite people ever. I've met him when I was about uh, 10 years old when he was a basketball coach, and then I spoke to him. I went to his camp, but two years later, I was walking in a gymnasium. This is a basketball show. This is a basketball story. I was playing for a Crab Tiger sixth grade varsity team, and I was walking the door, and Coach Gilmore was taking money uh, for tickets, and he said, you know, see your ticket. I said, I'm one of the players. I said, I'm a player. He said, are you? And I went out that game, and I had like 12 rebounds and 12 points, and he came up to me and talked to me after the game. He said, you are a player. Stick with it, kid. And we've been friends ever since then. He was my middle school principal. He's been our superintendent of school. He's been the mayor of this town. So I got to marry Steve Gilmore and leave it that. Uh, Tex, I don't know. Uh, Jeremy's a party guy. Uh, maybe. I don't know that. I'm going to say, uh, you know, hell, I don't want to kill you to one of them. I got to keep them both around a while. Uh, I, can't, I just can't do it. You do it, Nate. That's, that's what oh, I said on You got a basketball story out of it. Sorry. Uh, I don't know the mayor, so I'm going to kill him. Uh, oh, see. Um, but uh, you know, I know Jeremy. I've talked to Jeremy quite a bit, and he's got that sexy voice. So I'll I'll marry Jeremy, (laughs) and then Tex uh, Tex is in it for a good time, not a long time. So me and Tex will we'll we'll go for it. You got a good point there. You got a good point there. Jeremy was in a committed (laughs) relationship for a long time. He's got that sexy voice. You're he right. Does. In Texas, you might just have a good little little party around there, Texas. That's good choices. But I'm say somebody you, in the I boiler room really Gilmore. knows what they're doing, from what I hear. Right, right. And Jeremy's got a <laughs> futon. That's not good for screwing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that yeah. poor man. We've all been there. All right. <laughs> Indeed, we yeah, have. No, yeah, I can't argue that. All right, last one. This one's this one's a bitch, ladies and gentlemen. This this is a tough. The last one. one. Last one. All right. Brace yourselves. Sue the shooter lookalikes at a swingers convention. <laughs> a mime dressed up like Sue the shooter. Oh God. <laughs> or Sue the shooter. Go ahead, Bob. Who's the last one? Who was the last one? Sue the Shooter herself. Oh, well, I'll tell you right now, I I just, blowjobs don't count, man, you know, so I don't know. Uh, uh, I don't know about marrying that rat. Uh, I'd probably, um, (laughs) I'll tell you right now, uh, let's see. Yeah, I'd probably, uh, I'm not going to marry Sue the Shooter, that's for sure, so I'll probably just fuck her. Uh, I'd marry, um, there's my laundry getting done. Sorry about that, guys. It's my past. No, it's fine. Um, it's fine. The, uh, so, uh, the, the student shooters uh, lookalikes, uh, I, should I have to marry one of them? Because I'm going to kill a fucking mime, man. 
motherfuckers. I'm going to say I like some dirty fucking talk when I'm fucking. And if, I, if I've got to fuck you or if I'm going to marry you, you better be dirty and filthy in that bedroom. And if you're just sitting there making like fucking gestures with your hands and making goofy faces, I'm fucking killing a mime. Oh, man. So there's that. Damn, I'm not, I'm not oh. answering because nothing's going to top that. Nothing's topping that. I figured you probably would pop for the mime part, but not quite so aggressively. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Oh, well, there you go, boy. That's, that's that was great. Good. That was great. Well, Bobby, we got your laundry done, so go ahead and take care of that business. Thank you again for jumping on here. It's our 100th episode. It's always good to talk to you and good for you to make an appearance. And, man, oh, man, what a good time this was. Thank you guys very much. Once again, congratulations on your 100th episode, and you guys just keep up the good work. Appreciate you having me back. Will do. Everybody, make sure you check out Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze. Go download the episodes. Check out the YouTube page. Read Bobby's books. Buy his books. Use his links to subscribe to Amazon Prime. Go ahead. Do it. Listen to the episode. Check him out. They're always great. Send him money. He's so cool. Send him money. There you go. Lord knows Thanks again, Bobby. (laughs) Have a good one, man. Thank you, guys. Have a good one. Thank you. And that was our conversation with Bobby Blaze. Always good to have Bobby on the program. Love talking to Bobby. But speaking of guys that you didn't know would be back, ladies and gentlemen, guess who's back? It's the one, it's the only return of T.R. Shock, the man, the myth, the legend, Tom Robinson is in the building. What is up, Tom? What's up, 100? Episode 100, TR's with us. The man, the myth. What's good with TR? Uh, A a rainy, miserable day here in uh, Yardley, Ben Salem, Langhorn, uh, outside of Philadelphia. Um, But I'm here. Well, let me get your reaction really fast to this. Ben Simmons made a three last night. Your thoughts? Uh, happily surprised. Don't want to go crazy because he, you know, he's done it in warm-ups before and not in pressure situations, but happily surprised. All right. Well, the happily surprised is one way to look at that for sure. We talked about it earlier, so we, the listeners know our thoughts, but – Tom, 100 episodes, nothing to scoff at. This is something that a lot of podcasts look at as a milestone. This podcast started in your head. Am I correct in in the way I remember things? This was your idea to start with. Yeah, but you're the only, you're the only one dumb enough to follow through with one of my ideas. So yeah, You make a very uh, valid point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ideas race through this head almost every day for the last 40 years. But, uh, yeah, I think I think when I was on the 605, you had dropped me a note, something like funny skit, dude, or whatever, if you get a chance, because you had a smaller, uh, not as serious type of NBA podcast. Yeah, um, I did. In the prior year, I believe, to when we started. And – you know, I, I, I dilly-dallied and listened here and there, and then I finally listened in. I said, oh, that dude's pretty knowledgeable. He's not your typical uh, pro-wrestling goofball. He knows what he's talking about in the NBA. And I had known Tim Pryor uh, through that same uh, connection. 
and we had talked on the phone and so forth, and I knew he was an amazing hockey mind. So uh, we, I just said, hey, man, why don't we do a podcast? And uh, you were like, hell yeah. And uh, in the beginning, we thought we were going one place, and then we thought we were going another place. And we just ended up at LaughCast Studios with our pretty faces there. And uh, <laughs> Yeah, I remember those days. And we had some good help from uh, Chris Camuffa and Jeff Simmons because I think we were up to like the day before not knowing where we were going to take the show. Yeah, that and... was the thing. Like for those that don't know, um, we had originally projected to be on another platform for another group. Um, that was the thought process, but nothing ever came from that. Um, and we were ne- and we were getting no answers or anything like that. And so that ended up leading to Tom's departure from the wrestling show he was on. Um, and we decided Chris Camuffa, Jeff Simmons were nice enough to extend a hand and say, Hey, you guys want to be on LaughCast? You can do so. We'll uh, make it happen. And we started out doing one hour shows on Wednesdays at LaughCast. Um, and we would do video with it as well. Like there would be video. If you, I don't think it's still up but I actually have the videos that we did somewhere um, <laughs> that we did at LaughCast. And there would always be this Canadian guy named Frank calling us, and he found us again. But <laughs> no, but yeah. like, what do you okay. remember, TR? TR, this all stemmed from, if I'm not mistaken, a group that you created on Facebook to talk about the NBA playoffs and the NBA draft. Uh, yeah, maybe so. Um, my timelines are a little whacked out. I know I, I, I invited a bunch of people from John McAdams, pro wrestling and whatever, and some, uh, let's not just, you know, omit people, the 605ers. I, I extended the invitation and it was NBA final four. And I added some of my, you know, area friends. And it was just a way for me to bitch about, uh, the Sixers not being in the NBA Final Four that particular season. And, uh, you know, we, we I, I can't think right if Fultz was uh, there yet or the projected next season's pick. He was, projected other, but... to be, he was projected to be number one, and the Sixers were going to have the number one pick. Okay. And that – we don't have to go down that road again, but I was so furious <laughs> when I kept hearing the name <laughs> – uh, I, I my, when people would counter argue, I just put a post in bold, capitalized letters: "fuck faults, fuck faults, fuck faults, fuck faults," until I got tired of writing it. And uh, you know, even a broken clock is right twice a day, as they say. I was uh, fully accurate on that one. He's in Orlando or whatever now, and whatever happens to him, happens to him. But he certainly was a number one bust, and we should not have taken him. So. I pat myself on the back. Not that you two guys were a big fans of his either, either, but I was like, you know, well, the only time I ever saw I didn't know I didn't know much about him. That was the thing. Like I had I didn't really know a lot about him. All I knew was what I saw online and then I would look and listen to you and you t- you would tell me how this guy was, you know, you watched him, you used to watch him in Washington. And all I'm seeing is the good stuff. And then when you looked at the numbers, the numbers didn't lie on faults. Uh, anybody with a brain could look at his numbers and realize, yeah, these are all padded stats, if you can put it that way. And if you actually watched him, 
you knew he wasn't ready. Yeah, folks kind of carried us in the in the early going as far as something for me to bitch about. Um, he just – it's that, you know, we do the football pick show. Uh, well, you guys do. I do when I, when I can. Um, but that, that gambling gene in me that, that has haunted my past, I used to bet this stupid Pac-12 games and, uh, you know, every game, Hawaii games and whatnot – I'd be up 11, 30, 12 at night seeing this Markel Fultz scoring 22, but his team was losing by 30, and he was just, you know, shooting everything that came his way. It's kind of like the garbage passing yards in fantasy leagues, and that's what pumped up his scoring stats. And I'm like, are any of these scouts just, like, at the games, or are they just looking at the 23-point average or whatever it was? You know? I mean, that's, it's kind of seemed the way it was. Tim, what did what did Tom mean to you? Because you knew Tom before I did, uh, personally. What did Tom say to you about this adventure that eventually became Wide Men Can't Jump? Well, I don't know if Tom remembers, but him, he and I were uh, we were working on a rap song for stuttering for stuttering Tommy Rich. And we had just finished that, and we were getting ready. I think it was just about that time that the problem started, which we won't go into uh, with uh, another podcast. And uh, then he mentioned that he was going to do this NBA thing with a guy he knew. And I didn't know Nate at that point. Um, And to be honest, at that point, NBA really wasn't my thing. I watched some basketball, but I wasn't a real big fan. <clears throat> so he came up with the idea, well, why don't you, you can call in every week and, you know, kind of goof on us, sort of. As you'll remember, the first week's call was uh, Simmons and Frank thinking it was uh, Wayne Simmons from the Flyers, not Ben Simmons from the <laughs> Sixers. And... Um, who, by, who, who, by the way, had exactly the same amount of three-pointers in the NBA until last night. <laughs> at, that, at that point, yeah. And uh, and then Frank uh, started in on Nate about uh, if he knew Sophia Bush, because he kind of had a thing for her. And, of course, Nate had no – I think you knew it was coming, but you didn't know what was coming. I had no I clue. You, I think you knew I was going to call – that somebody was calling in, but you didn't know it was going to be a guy who was just going to act like a total idiot. And then that kind of morphed into, well, what this show has become, where it's really serious basketball talk and some incredibly goofy stuff that has nothing to do with basketball but is entertaining on some level to some people. Yeah, and then the show, um, we would do an hour every week, sometimes an hour and 15, and we were starting to realize that an hour show – was not getting it done. We realized, you know, hey, an hour is not long enough. We need more time. And uh-huh. um, we realized that it wasn't financially working with LaughCast due to the restrictions. Um, we started looking elsewhere for other other ways of doing it. We settled here on, on Blog Talk Radio um, after some... And, and, and there's still some issues here on Blog Talk Radio sometimes, but overall, I think we're we're pretty happy with that. But one thing yeah, I remember I, was one thing I just, always remembered just, was 
Go, go ahead, Tom. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, just to, in case there's any murky waters there, just to uh, clarify what you were saying. We were very happy with LaughCast and, and, oh, yeah, and very. so forth. It was just that, you know, Jeff is now, like, in New York working for Sirius Radio. Chris is kind of out of the business, was just getting married and, and starting a family at that time. So mm-hmm. the time we needed and the time they could provide just didn't work. Oh, yeah. Well, we still love those guys at LaughCast. Yeah, and was, and I, if they were still a thing, I would plug them to this day because they treated yeah. us nothing but fair. Yeah. In all honesty, though, let's let's not BS either. The amount of time we wanted for them to produce that with video and all that stuff required a certain amount of money. It did. Which, at that time, wouldn't have been uh, feasible for us. So that did that did play a part in it. It wasn't because we were unhappy with those guys or anything, because that's not the case at all. It was just you know Jeff. Uh, Chris couldn't always do it because he had commitments, you know, as you just said, with the, uh, getting ready to get married, and now he's got a kid and all that stuff, That which meant Jeff had to get to Chris's house, and our timing was usually later in the evening, which meant, you know, some guy had to sit there from 8 till 10.30 or 8 till 11 or whatever, and then yeah. go home. That was bad enough for Tom, too, that he had to make a drive there and back or and get there and all that kind of stuff. While Blood drinking. Stuff, uh, yeah, blog talk right. you could do, you know, from our, you know, from your couch. So that just worked a lot better. Yeah, and and I will say our our audio quality was better at LaughCast, but we we're able to get more shows. We were able now to pre-record, uh, which has become a huge thing here on the show to pre-record guests at their convenience, not at you know you have to be here between this time and this time, which was tough. But we've been able to, since the show has grown like it has, we're heard in over 70 countries now, um, just thousands and thousands of downloads, and we appreciate everyone that does download and listen. Um, the the idea with Tom started out as we want to have our buddies do the insider work for us. Well, it worked for a little while. We had you know guys like uh, Armando Martinez, who still listens, and we still love you, Armando. He's our guy. And uh, I still talk to Armando quite a bit here and there when I can, but we had other guys um, that would call in and give a breakdown of different teams. Like I think Dave Flaherty called and talked about the Miami heat uh, one time way back when, Uh, but we've actually been able now to expand and get, you know, beat writers and guys from like the athletic and bleacher report and, and to expand what it was. And it was all through, you know, the work that we've done here with Twitter and, and Facebook and, and things of that nature. Um, but I remember telling, uh, when when Tom did leave the 605, I got messages from people saying, is it your fault that stuttering Tommy Rich is gone? Uh, <laughs> you know, I did, and I'm like, no. And, and then, you know, people wanted to know what happened, and I'm like, well, it's really none of my business. You know, I knew but I didn't want to didn't really want to go and explain what was going on. But the show also <laughs> Tim introduced Tim and I became acquaintances through the show. And then one day I called him and I said, you know what? I'm driving. Cause I would message him on Facebook occasionally, but I said, all right, let me, let me call you. Cause I'm driving. And we started talking about, we actually got into a huge, you may not remember this, Tim. We talked about world war two. 
for hours. Um, oh, no, I, I remember it. Yeah, we talked about Thank World God. War II for hours. Thank God that wasn't a three-way call. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we did. We saved, we saved the intellectual stuff for when you're not around, Tom. Good. <laughs> but, and that led to now Tim and I talk every single day. Um, and that's yeah, not a joke. Much. We yeah, talk every much. single day. Um, about, about, you know, sometimes Nothing. we'll talk stupid stuff. Yeah. Sometimes we'll talk politics. Sometimes we talk history and wrestling Boop. and anything else. And nothing off limits. Boop. And uh, I know Boop. Tim's better half uh, refer. Yes, boobs. boobs. Yes, boobs. I know your better half refers to me as uh, your boyfriend, I think. Does yeah, she not? Uh, you're my West Virginia boyfriend, yeah. Ah, yes. But, um, and of course, Tom, I'm, I'm going to reveal something here for you, Tom. Uh, Tom got his job as, you know, we were recording the show. He, he's got this job now. We won't say where, but um, I'm going to say this. I actually had to submit Tom's resume for him. <laughs> I think there, there really should be some kind of a salary sharing uh, percentage involved <laughs> in that job somehow. Yeah, it's pretty funny that uh, you know all all the stuff you guys did not to do with the show like that. Um, from my lack of technology knowledge, and and others seem to believe uh, that I I make profiles and all kinds of stuff. So um, I'm a damn good liar. Or I'm a dumb fuck. One or the other. <laughs> But yeah, the show just this show kind of kind of spitballed. When the show started, Tom and I had conversations. We couldn't think of a name to save our lives. Um, like the original bald, pilot, bald, bald beard and basketball was it? Yeah, yeah, that was the that was the original title, which sucks. It's terrible. Yeah, well, it <laughs> we it, it it went as soon as I told as uh, when Frank called in and said that because my, my wife thought I was involved in a porn somehow (laughs) (laughs) but we started with that and then the night before the show tom just called we were talking and he said i really wish that that we could come up with a better name he goes i really want something you know like fat guys not being able to jump or or something like that. He gets just like a play on that, you know. He's like, "Cause we're all three, we're all over three hundred pounds or close I to it, not. you know." Yeah, I said, "Close to it." Yeah, I am not anymore. And uh, actually, I think I'm the only one over three hundred pounds now. You two, I'm kicking you both off here for being small. Um, <laughs> the and I just I just spouted out. I was thinking, "White men can't jump." The movie, and I was sitting there going, "Wide men, wide, wide men can't jump." And Tom said. That's it. That's perfect. And that's what that. That's how. That's how it became. It does. It does play well. And, and uh, how many people have mentioned that? Goddamn, love that name. Yeah, oh, still, a lot. Yeah. A lot. So, uh, I mean, I mean anytime I I promote it, self promotion to just random people, they're like, "Wait, what?" Like the movie, I'm like, "Yeah, like the movie," but I said wide, as in overweight obese fat and they start chuckling they say oh my god that's great 
my station manager where I work at the radio station, I told him the name of it, mm-hmm. and he said that is the most brilliant podcast name I have ever heard of. So, and, and this is a guy that he doesn't praise a lot of stuff either. So he he really likes the name. Smart man. Yeah. But other than that, man, like we've just been slowly but surely bringing guests onto the show. And, you know, this all started with a message from Tom Robinson um, years ago. Uh, I just, I, I got a message from him and it snowballed from there, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and this show's grown by leaps and bounds. We've hit 100 episodes, almost two years now. Uh, we're about to start our third season as a podcast here within the next couple of weeks, which should be great. Uh, looking forward to it. And uh, Tom's team, we, this started out as a Wolves-Sixers view of things, and then we decided to you know, kind of expand and go a little more because both of our teams were on the rise. Mine rose and fell like a... Uh, like a, a hard on without any uh, Viagra, but other than that, it's been a uh, you know everything's been cool. I'm actually scrolling, trying to see if I can find. Um, I'm trying to see if I can find the original message that Tom sent me, just to kind of to give some idea as to how this show came to be. Um, you know, if I have. I still have some of our stuff from 605 land, but I don't know that I... We we did a... Well, actually, actually see, there's more full disclosure about the dark, deep mind of Tom Robinson. We had initially started talking on Messenger on Facebook, and Tom's got a bit of a conspiracy theorist about Facebook messaging. And uh, that's how I started to talk to him, because he didn't want to talk about certain things on uh, Messenger. Uh, here it is. Brad. I found it. I found it. All right, this is from uh, September 21st, 2017. I get a message from Tom Robinson. Are you locked into a hoops pod? And this, this, by the way, is TR and I not having talked much other than the fact of, uh, you know, I, I asked him, you know, Rumble's in Philly, and I would send random TR and acts to him. Here's one of the TR and acts I sent. Big Boss Man versus the Mountie, WCW Mail Escort, and GoDaddy.com. Answer, Loser spends the night in jail, Buff Bagwell, and that super sexy Playboy featured Candace Michelle. Oh, goodness. Those, those were bad. But uh, Tom sends me a message that says, You locked into your Hoops podcast. I want to do one. These local sports radio guys are pissing me off, urging the Sixers to sign him to a max contract. People, people I know say that fucker has a stress fracture again. I'd try to... I try to get a top ten player for him in faults. Rashawn Holmes is way better than people know here. Plus, Ben Simmons is a generational player. Embiid is an insane talent, but counting Kansas, he's played less than sixty games in five years. Fuck that. And that is how it all began. I, I, I don't know if all those opinions were mine. I don't. I don't know what I must have been drinking that night for some of them, but. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, that was at three fifteen in the day. So if that tells you anything. Okay, uh, Ben Simmons, generational player. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, what a way to well, go! I, I, I learned. I learned throughout the the process of the show, from from everybody, from Sean Grandy to Tracy Murray to, um, 
God, Steve, what's Stevie's last name uh, from West Virginia? Browning. Uh, from Stevie Browning to Bruce Pritchard and Conrad Thompson to Jeff Jarrett and Mick Foley talking about basketball, et cetera. So, uh, you know, now I don't necessarily think Ben Simmons is a generational player. Did you say something about a process a second ago? Just a process? Uh, no. <laughs> Hopefully nobody uh, else. Uh, actually, the Miami Dolphin fans are living through that kind of hell right now. But They really are. It's Tom's crypto. They really are. Yes, indeed. But I'll tell you what, Tom, we'll let you go, man. We know you got stuff you have to do that. I'm glad you were call in and we were able to give these to give these people a little bit of a backstory here into wide men can't jump and and how the show has turned into what it's turned into yeah man thanks and uh happy hundredth if it wasn't for tim's availability during my not availability or unavailability whichever phrase i should use it might have missed some time, but Tim stepped right in and smartened up about basketball pretty quick, and I don't think we missed a beat, really. No, I don't think we have either, and I do I do want to look at this. as That's why there's three of us. There's times when you and Tim do the pick shows that I can't do, and, um, you know, it started off as you and I hosting Tim with my appearances, and then Tim's become the co-host a little bit here. Um, you know, we always said when we started, real life came first. And, you know, your real life is, is very busy with your your job. We know that. And uh, we're going to try and get you on some more. We're going to start recording you um, whenever you're available, you know, just to get your takes once the season gets started, at least on the Sixers, if nobody else. Uh, we want to make yeah. that happen. We want to make that happen for sure because you're still a part of the show, whether you're here weekly or not. You know, this was your, your idea to start. And uh, – the three of us have put it together and made it work. And I think this, uh, this is a good marriage thing we've got going on here. And, uh, you know, Hey, here's to 200 episodes. All right, boys. Happy hundredth free bird rule. Three can defend the title and any, any two of the three can defend the title and, uh, keep rocking. All right, brother. Love you, man. Thanks for listening. Love you too, guys. See you. Well, that was TR jumping on, and that is a little bit of the history and the breakdown of Wide Men Can't Jump. I'm glad we were able to do that and maybe give our listeners a little backstory into how the show became what it's become. There goes our boy, Tom Robinson. Indeed. All, gr- all grown up. My coat of many colors. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, not... And that's something we have not pulled the curtain back on yet and will not. No, we have not. (laughs) But, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to pull the curtain back, check out our good friends at Strip Cam Fun. Are you tired of the same old average, everyday lifestyle and the same old job that has you making less money than what you know you're worth? Well, you should head on over to StripCamFun.com. On Strip Cam Fun, there are tons of eligible men and women waiting to perform for you, and you can join in on the fun yourself. Just head on over at StripCamFun.com where you can strip on cam and have some fun. If you get there right now, you'll get to see some of the most beautiful women, men, and whatever else your heart desires, and you can take advantage of the good times being had on StripCamFun.com. 
Make sure you get there right now and let them know that Wide Men Can't Jump brought you over. Because StripCamFun.com is not just for everyone. Must be 18 years of older to join in on the good times. Strip Cam Fun, be sure to visit right now. It's StripCamFun.com where you can strip on camp and have some fun. Big thanks to our sponsors over at Strip Cam Fun. Check them out, StripCamFun.com. Well, Tim, I was able to sit down and talk with a Pelicans insider, Jake Madison. And we're going to have some basketball talk here on the show as well as reminiscing and talking to old friends and uh, some familiar faces. But let's go ahead and go to my talk with Jake Madison on the New Orleans Pelicans and what we can expect from the Pelicans this season. What do you say? Roll the trip. Joining us here on Wide Men Can't Jump Back Again is Jake Madison, the host of Locked on Pels, the daily podcast that covers the Pelicans, and apparently he's secretly Jose Calderon, if you look on Twitter. Uh, Jake, how you doing, man? Thanks for coming back on. Of course. Thanks for having me on, you guys. Or are you really Jose Calderon? You hmm. could say that. I, I have the beard, kind of look like him a little bit, been confused for him on occasion, uh, from a distance, <laughs> once you get up close, not quite the same thing. But that actually came from Anthony Davis pointing that out before a game one day. <laughs> that's awesome. That's that's a really cool story. I would have never thought that. But uh, all right, well, let's dive into the Pelicans here. Uh, Anthony Davis is gone. You brought him up. His tenure with the Pelicans has come to an end, as well as some other uh, notable players: Tim Frazier, Alfred Payton, Solomon Hill. But Davis, the real, the real big departure the loss there, but coming forward into this season, the Pelicans are very young and they have added what many people are thinking. They win the lottery when or really who thought they would win. I know I, I was surprised when their name came up, they get who people are touting as the next big thing. Zion Williamson. How has Zion taken to basically his new role in New Orleans as being the guy. And because you see him on, you know, commercials, he's almost become an ambassador for the city. How's he taken to that new role here before he's ever even stepped out onto a, a regular season game? You know, pretty well. And for, you know, the Pelicans getting lucky in the lottery, getting the number one overall pick to draft kind of this generational talent, the best guy probably coming into the NBA since Anthony Davis. You know, it's not very often you trade away a top five player and there's more hype around your team the next season than there was the previous one. But that's what you're seeing here. And Zion's kind of stepped into this celebrity role and really embraced it right off of the bat. I think he got a lot of good advice on how to, you know, embrace the city of New Orleans, get the city and the state of Louisiana to love him back too. You saw him at a Tulane football game, at an LSU football game. He's kind of just been out in the community, really trying to take in the local culture. You see him at local restaurants, trying all the food and everything we have down here. And he's kind of just taken to it really well. And you can see he's a 19-year-old kid who's enjoying being famous and now pretty damn rich, I think. Uh, and he's done a very good job of that. He's a very likable, very charismatic guy. So you see him all over the place in interviews, in advertisements, and all the different sponsorships. But it seems like he's handling kind of the newfound stardom pretty well. And I don't blame you trying all that food in New Orleans. I've never been to New Orleans, but I've always wanted to go down and get some gumbo, man. 
I love gumbo, and they say there's nothing like it down there in New Orleans. Uh, <clears throat> so I, I don't blame him a bit there. Um, but as far as stepping out onto the court, um, the Pelicans are probably looking at this guy who dominated in college, who played so well. They're looking for him to step up and be an immediate impact player, not really to come along at his own pace. They're looking to win, and they're looking to win now on the shoulders of Zion Williamson. Am I correct there? Uh, somewhat, you know, he's, he's penciled in as a starter. They've got a game, uh, you know, tonight against the Atlanta Hawks. He's the starter for that. There's a lot of hype around him, but this team's been trying to tamper down some of those expectations. I think regarding him, if you look at Anthony Davis's rookie year in the league with new Orleans, this is a guy who averaged like 13 and eight. And that was about it. Wasn't the rookie of the year. And they tried to, you know, bring him along a little bit slowly and not put these massive expectations on his shoulders that can lead to disappointment. Maybe it wrecks his confidence a little bit. And so big men tend to come into the league and maybe struggle uh, right off of the bat as they adjust, whereas maybe for certain guards, it's a little bit easier. And I think the Pelicans realize it, and they've been talking about this not being Zion Williamson's team, but instead Drew Holiday's team after back-to-back seasons making that all-defense team in the NBA. He had probably near an all-star season in terms of offense last year. They're looking at him to be the leading scorer, the main guy, the vocal leader on this team, and they've referred to it as Drew Holiday's team and said Zion isn't the savior of New Orleans basketball. He's a rookie that's going to come in, that's going to struggle, that's going to need to adjust to the NBA. So they're trying to put those, you know, knock those expectations down a peg or two. They're still sky high for Zion, and you want him to come in and succeed, and they're going to give him every opportunity to come in and succeed. But I wouldn't be shocked if he's maybe this team's third leading scorer rather than one or two. Well, if you say he's going to be the third leading scorer, then answer me this. Who will be the second? Did you see maybe Brandon Ingram or – uh, perhaps Alonzo Ball or Derek Favors. Who, who's going to be that second leading scorer? Yeah, I think it's Brandon Ingram. So, I, you know, I think Drew Holiday is going to lead the team in scoring. And we saw him do, you know, very well as kind of the main guy. If you go back to the playoff series two years ago against the Portland Trailblazers, I think one game he scored 34. The other one he scored 44 uh, in the closeout game four when the Pelicans swept the higher seed there. So he's shown he can kind of be the man and handle the rock like that and just take on that scoring burden. I think number two is going to be Brandon Ingram. The Pelicans also have to have a a very good sense of this guy. He's going to be up for that kind of contract extension where you can potentially give him a four-year max as a restricted free agent. And if you look at the wings in the upcoming free agent class, someone's going to offer Brandon Ingram a max. And you better be certain you like this guy if you're going to match that contract. And given that he was a big part of the Anthony Davis trade, I definitely feel like the Pelicans are leaning towards that, even if it's maybe a sunk cost fallacy to do so if you dislike this guy. But they're going to give him the ball every opportunity to kind of be a go-to score to find out what they have in Brandon Ingram, who looked really good last year when LeBron James was out. He was averaging over 25 points per game, I think close to 10 rebounds. His shot looks pretty good. He can get to the rim. But does he have a three-point shot that's reliable? Can he space the court for Zion Williamson and fit into what they're trying to build with this roster? And that's the big question. So I think you're going to see him get the ball very often, get every opportunity to create for himself, create for others, and go out and score because the Pelicans really need to figure out what they have there. I think that leads to him having a big season. Yeah, Brandon Ingram, you know, people have been waiting for him to step up and really – develop and become the player that he be that he really people have been saying he should be for many years now um and then Lonzo Ball's another one who's coming over 
Um, working on his jump shot, I personally think he's got a hideous jump shot, but it goes in sometimes. Uh, what do you think Lonzo Ball brings sometimes. to this table? <laughs> it goes in, but I mean – does Lonzo Ball to you end up becoming the starting ball handler, or is it going to remain more Drew Holiday's guard, or is Drew going to move over to that more of a shooting guard role and have Lonzo be the primary ball handler? Yeah, it's it's going to be that. Drew's worked off ball more the past couple of years, and he says he prefers that spot rather than kind of being that distributor at the point guard position and creating for others. He's best when he's trying to create his own offense that creates holes that he can exploit on drives to the rim or through off ball cuts, different things like that. And I think Lonzo ball is going to be the starting point guard for the Pelicans on opening night. He's working on that jumper, kind of retooling, relearning his shot. Uh, the forms look good at times in training camp uh, in the scrimmages that I've seen. You're seeing him not carry the ball over from his right to the left side where it crosses his face, covers up his eyes, and I don't even know how he shoots it. But like you said, sometimes people have funky shots and the ball goes in, and at the end of the day, that's kind of what matters with that. But he hasn't been a good shooter in the NBA, shooting sub-45% from the field for his career. He's sub-50% from the free throw line in his career in two years so far in the league. That's not going to get it done. He absolutely has to improve in that area, and we're looking to hopefully see some big steps for him in there. They had a scrimmage the other day where his shot looked good to begin, but as the game went on and on and on, he kind of reverted to those funky mechanics that I think really kind of screw up his jump shot. So if he can consistently keep that form right, I think you'll see an improvement for him, maybe not too good or even elite levels, but you might get kind of adequate shooting out of him. But he can distribute the ball really well. He plays well in transition, something the Pelicans are going to be looking to do a lot to really push the pace. And defensively, he and Drew Holiday might be the best backcourt in the NBA on that side of the ball. He frees Drew Holiday up to kind of go cover the best perimeter player, whereas he can press the point of attack. I think that makes Drew Holiday even more dangerous. And we've seen Drew guard positions one through four, sometimes even covering fives in the league. And he does an outstanding job of that. That's just going to help make the Pelicans maybe a top 10 defense, which is the expectations they have for themselves here. So he fits right in. If he can get some offense in transition, maybe build his confidence early on, he could be in for somewhat of a breakout season. And he's the guy of all the three players they got in that Lakers trade that I'm the highest on. Well, another, another player who recently signed on there is Derek Favors. Um, He'll more than likely get the start at the five uh, coming over from Utah, what do you think Favors brings to the table that maybe the Pelicans were missing from all the assets that they picked up uh, in the offseason? Yeah, and this this is a guy they were very, very high on. You know, he wasn't a free agent signing. He was a guy they traded for and gave up two second-round picks to bring here to New Orleans to be that starting five, and he's starting there tonight despite getting banged up just a little bit. Uh, you know, he gives you a rim protector, and it allows Zion Williamson just to kind of be freed up at the four a little bit more, to kind of not have to go against centers on the defensive side of the ball and just save his body a little bit. Favors is known for being a very good rim protector. I think that's exactly kind of what you want to see. He's a veteran who's been around the league for a long time now, despite not being 30, and he has a lot to kind of maybe teach Zion Williamson and the rest of these young guys on the team about what it takes to be successful on the defensive side of the ball. I think that's big. Offensively, he's one of the better guys around the rim in the league. He he's, comes close to leading the league in field goal percentage, and he's been playing out of position for the past couple of years with Rudy Gobert there in Utah. So now he gets to slide to his more natural position of the five rather than playing power forward. I think that kind of frees him up. If you look at his 
uh, on off numbers with Rudy Gobert. Without Rudy Gobert, he's a very good scorer, a guy who could maybe average something like 20 points per game in the right type of system. He's not going to get that here in New Orleans. There's just not going to be enough shot attempts for him with some of the other guys that they've got to feed the ball to. But if you look at him in a, say, small sample size when it comes to transition, something the Pelicans, again, are looking to do a whole lot of, he was in the 88th percentile in terms of efficiency. Only about 6% of his offense came from that. But if you put that into a larger role, he might be able to get some easy buckets and just fit right on into what New Orleans wants to do. You know, there's a reason he's going to kind of be the day one starter despite being a new addition, giving you that defense, probably helping you out just enough on offense and being a good veteran locker room presence to teach Zion and the rest of these young guys. Well, at the center position, though, during the draft, uh, Jackson Hayes was taken by the Pelicans at pick eight. Uh, he comes over after playing uh, at Texas. He's a big presence, a big guy. But from what I'm seeing here, it doesn't look like he's going to be playing very much this season. Like he could be relegated to the number three center spot um, if he's even, you know, they may put him down in the G League or what have you. But Favors is looking like the guy. And then a surprising, maybe slight resurgence of Jalil Okafor last year. What do you think about that center position? There's a little bit of depth here. And are we going to see Jackson Hayes or are we going to see more Jaleel Okafor? Yeah, it's, I think you, you said it right. It's going to be Jaleel Okafor who really just rejuvenated his NBA career last year, getting on with this team, finding a bunch of minutes towards the end of the year when Anthony Davis was kind of in and out of the lineup before just being shut down for the year. Uh, and the, the coaching staff really liked what they had in Okafor. Very coachable, has kind of changed and transformed his body. He's also really worked on the mental side of everything, just getting in the right headspace and taking care of a lot of that mental health aspect that's starting to become a big topic in the NBA right now. And it's led to him being in the league and sticking around, which I think is a really great thing to see. And it's a really great story about how he's saved his NBA career. He's definitely going to be the backup five behind Derek Favors. And that kind of leaves the odd man out being Jackson Hayes. But I think the Pelicans anticipated this in the first place. And David Griffin has even said that they looked that for this season to maybe be a redshirt year for Hayes, where he would spend a lot of his time in the G League, where the Pelicans now have their own affiliate, their coaching staff in place. They also have what they call two-way coaches, which are going to go down to the G League with their NBA guys if they get put on an assignment there. I think you'll see him not get a ton of minutes early on, despite his pretty good showing for the team in summer league. But I think maybe as the season goes on, if the play, if the Pelicans are out of playoff contention, you'll start to see a youth movement there. And that's when he'll start to get some minutes, but early on, you know, he's still very raw. There's no real jumper, no real offense outside of living at the rim and being that rim runner, which I think can really hurt the spacing for this team until he develops that it's going to be spot minutes here, there at best. If there's an injury, if someone's in foul trouble, But as the season goes on, I think you'll see him get more minutes. But this was, I think, all part of the plan, all part of building for the future to bring this guy along slowly. Well, speaking of a guy who's coming along but not very slowly, and that is uh, J.J. Redick, who joins the Pelicans after spending quite a a while up in, excuse me, Philadelphia. And he is a just pure marksman shooter. He's a guy that's going to run around and going to basically wear out your – Defenders on the other side come off a screen and hit a quick three. How much time are we going to see J.J. Redick on the court for the Pelicans? Will he see significant minutes, or will he be more of a viable sixth man 
that comes off and maybe still gets those, you know, closing minutes of close games. But how much of Redick are we going to see? Because he's got to be running on, I don't want to say fumes, but he's really getting up there in years. And how much does he have left to bring to this young team? You know, I think he still seems like he's got a lot. He's been in the league for 13 years, which, like you said, starts to kind of get up there, you know, in time. And he's made the playoffs every year of his career so far, and he wants to keep that streak going. I don't think he's signing with New Orleans if he doesn't get significant minutes. This is a guy who could go and get, uh, you know, a roster spot on any single team in the league. Pelicans are only paying him $12.5 million a season, which is a bit of a steal for a shooter of his caliber. And it's a bit of a statement signing by New Orleans in free agency. You know, he's not going to come here for where he is in his career unless he thinks they can be a contender or at least very, you know, at the very least make the playoffs. So he's got a significant role. He's not going to be starting. I think it's going to be Brandon Ingram at the three, but he's going to probably be the first guy off the bench. You alluded to it and said it that I think he can probably be the guy with the closing lineup. Maybe it depends on opponents a little bit, but you've got to have a court spacer out there with a guy like Zion Williamson. There's probably no better in the league than J.J. Redick at this point. He does a number of things well, whether it's coming off screens or coming off dribble handoffs, where he gets a ton of his offense and is very effective in that aspect. Uh, he'll, he'll get significant minutes and play a significant role in this team. He's also been brought in to really be a mentor to a lot of these younger guys, particularly to Zion Williamson, with both of them having gone to Duke and having the connection with that. The Pelicans have five players that went to Duke that are on the roster right now, and Zion Williamson J.J. Redick, Jalil Okafor, Frank Jackson, and Brandon Ingram. They've got this Duke contingent here, which is supposedly helping the locker room chemistry and all of these guys kind of build a connection. Having J.J. Redick to mentor all of these young guys with all he's learned in the NBA, I think is a very good thing. Again, they've kind of built this plan to win in the short term, but also how do you maximize everyone you have on this roster for the long term? And a lot of that has to do with off-the-court stuff, and that's a big chunk of what J.J. Redick's going to provide as well. Nikhil Alexander-Walker, he's a great player out of Virginia Tech, another ACC guy joining this Pelicans team. Are we going to see him at all this season, or is he going to be just like, hey, he's probably be more of a D-League kind of guy? He was a great shooter and could really make his own shot happen at Virginia Tech, but uh, is he ready for the NBA yet, or is he more of a project still? Uh, you know, I think it's it's yet to be determined, and this is where training camp and these five preseason games the Pelicans have are actually very key for him in particular and for Frank Jackson because they're both kind of battling for the final, you know, real roster role that's kind of unsettled right now, which is that backup point guard role who plays behind Lonzo Ball. If you look at Drew Holiday playing at the two a whole lot more this year, and Holiday will still handle the rock at times, but you still need someone to maybe fill 12 to 16 minutes per game as the ball handler. And it could be either Nikhil Alexander-Walker or uh, Frank Jackson. You know, Alexander-Walker, I think, is coming in thinking these are his minutes. He's been on a mission to prove that he is a rotation guy for this team, not to be in the G League, not to kind of have that redshirt year like they think for uh, Jackson Hayes. He showed up in summer league, which he should do. He's a guy who was drafted in the first round. You should be dominating some of these guys that aren't going to be in the league next year. His shot looks excellent. He really creates well for others. And he surprised me by being able to finish around the rim with both his left and his right hand, allowing him to get some easy buckets that rookies don't usually get. Um, Frank Jackson maybe I think has the edge a little bit on him, just having been on the roster for a, a little bit longer 
the coaching staff is very high on Frank Jackson. He showed us in summer league too. He can be an absolute lights out score, putting up 30 points and three quarters of play in the opening summer league game. If his three point shots are a little bit better than Alexander Walker's is. And I think it probably is at least right now going to be more consistent. He probably gets the spot knocking down Nikhil Alexander Walker just a little bit. But by the end of the year, if this team's out of playoff contention, Nikhil's going to be in there, maybe getting a spot start here and there, but certainly earning more minutes. Well, let's, uh, let's go ahead and look at the team as a whole. Projected wins that came out early on, 38 and a half up to – 39 and a half is what we're seeing as the over under. That's what they opened at. Do you think that's a little low? Do you think the Pelicans can win close to to 500 uh, of their games? Not 500 games, but go close to 500 on their games this season. Do they win more than half or maybe people projecting them a little low? You know, I think that number's about right on. I certainly think they have a ceiling to maybe be the seventh or eighth seed in the Western Conference, but I think the reason that number is so low is the West is really, really tough this year. There's maybe one or two teams you mm-hmm. think have no chance to play off, but everyone is, you can make a good argument for, and the Pelicans are one of those. And that just means it's really going to be tough having a lot of young guys on the team, having not developed chemistry. They've got only six holdovers from last year's squad on this year's team. You're going to have some growing pains with that. They don't know what lineups are going to work best around Zion Williamson just yet. So you're going to see some weird, funky lineups out there to start the year that maybe don't work, that they keep out there way too long as they just try and figure out what works and what doesn't. You know, they've only had five days of training camp. Then you get preseason and your practice time becomes very limited uh, once you start playing games. And it's tough to kind of figure out what's going to work and what's not going to work when the games aren't mattering because they start mattering very, very soon. I think that's going to lead to some early season struggles for this team that probably knocks them down from 500. But if things go well, if the spacing's there, if Zion is the guy we all think he can be, if Drew Holiday really does lead the team and is the guy that the coaching staff in the front office thinks, yeah, they're at least a 500 squad if that's the case. Um, and assume they have the you know injury health that has kind of eluded them in past years. But certainly the ceiling is there. I think people look at this roster and go, wow, it's really intriguing. They've got a lot of very good guys on this team, and they're going to surprise people and be a tough out on a night-in, night-out basis. I think just the youth is going to be a big deal. I think the Western Conference is going to be too tough for them. That's why I think they probably barely missed the playoffs, but certainly they've got to be in that conversation, which means they're going to be at least at 500 or better. Yeah, I mean, if they were in the East, I think they're a playoff team for sure. Um, yeah, absolutely. Which there's, there's legitimately, as you said, there's 13 teams in the West that could easily make the playoffs depending on what happens. I mean – Maybe you, maybe the Suns and the Thunder you don't think are going to get in, but I mean, if the Thunder keep the roster they have, they still have Chris Paul. I mean, even there's even and the Suns roster is not as bad as what people think it is. Um, honestly, Memphis might be the only team that you can look at and say, yeah, they're not going to make the playoffs. Um, everybody else is pretty much fair game out west. I don't because I'm not sleeping on Memphis like a lot of people, or not Memphis, but Phoenix like a lot of people are. Um, let me bring this up. The Pelicans are scheduled to play a Christmas Day game, um, which is a pretty big deal for this team. There's a lot of young talent. Of course, everyone wants to see Zion Williamson. That's pretty much the main reason why they got it. But there's that's a big stage 
for a lot of people because that's when a lot of your casual viewers, that'll be the first games they watch of the NBA season is Christmas Day for a big piece of those casual watchers. Do the Pelicans feel like they need, when that game does finally arrive here, do you feel like that's a, one, how big of a deal is it for them to be on on Christmas Day? And do they feel like they have to go out and prove something on Christmas Day? You know, I think they're definitely trying to prove that they're not rebuilding, that they're a contender and going to be a contender for years to come. And I think it's an intriguing matchup. They played the Denver Nuggets that day, another team with a lot of young guys that looks to be set up for extended success in the near future. So it's, it's intriguing to see these two teams. It could be the future of the Western Conference, which is more in flux than it's ever been uh, playing on Christmas Day. They are there because of Zion Williamson. I think they'll have a lot of stuff figured out by Christmas Day as they get through the first month or two of the regular season uh, and figure out some of the rotations and what lineups work and what don't, and they'll be more competitive then than maybe they were on the first week or two of things. Uh, but it's a, it's a big stage. It's rare that, you, again, you trade away a top-five guy in Anthony Davis and you end up with 30 national TV games the next season, including 20 that aren't on NBA TV. That is a sign that this team is intriguing, that they're doing things the right way, that they've got a star player, and they're just going to be, you know, fun as heck to watch next year. And I think that's one of the big things is that the league has taken notice of the Pelicans in ways that they haven't before. Part of it's because of Zion. Part of it's because of David Griffin coming in and replacing Dell Demps, who was fired at the end of the season. And ownership investing into this franchise more so than they ever have before. We see teams that don't have an owner who seems to really care or they want to meddle too much, the Knicks maybe, and they go nowhere despite having that big market and all advantages possible. But then you get look at teams that are well-run and the Pelicans are starting to model themselves in that mold, and I think that's one of the biggest things. And That's why they're on Christmas. That's why they're on all of these uh, national televised games because the league thinks this is a team that's going to be around for a little bit. Well, the Pelicans are an interesting team, and I'm looking forward to seeing them play this year. There's going to be a lot of people tuning in because of Zion Williamson and the kind of just big name he is already for what he brings to the table. And I think the Pelicans are going to be one of those teams that we're all talking about come the end of the year, Um, whether it be overperforming, underperforming, what have it, but people are going to be talking but, Jake, I want to thank you for spending so much time here and talking Pelicans basketball with us and uh, getting us ready for the regular season. Hard to believe it's just a couple of weeks away. And uh, you're actually on yeah. our 100th episode, so I really appreciate you making an appearance there, episode 100 here uh, of our basketball show. So uh, let our listeners know where they can keep up with you and follow you and stay in tune with the Pelicans. Yeah, absolutely. Congratulations to 100 because that is a milestone and not easy to keep it going. So, so good for you on that. Uh, you can follow Thank me you. on Twitter. It's at Nola Jake. I'm the host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast, which is Monday through Friday. So breaking down everything you want to know about this team, which is going to be a whole lot of fun this year. Learn more about Zion. Keep up to date with them all. So wherever you get your podcast from, just search Locked On Pelicans. Awesome. Well, Jake, thanks again. And I'm sure we'll have you back on during the season to talk some more and looking forward to it. And hopefully the Pelicans have a great season. And thanks again for jumping on. Of course. Thanks for having me on today. Anytime. Thank you. And that was my talk with Jake Madison talking about the New Orleans Pelicans. A lot to live up to this season is the Pelicans as we're looking forward to seeing what that young team provides. 
But speaking of providing, if you want to provide yourself with some great gifts or to a loved one or to someone who you just think deserves a good gift, head on over to Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC, facebook.com slash Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. They've got everything for your inner nerd and whatever you desire in terms of comic books, collectibles, funk pop, pop Funkos, and more. Let's hear some more from the good friends of Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. If you're into comic books and collectibles, then you are going to want to check out Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. They buy and sell comic books, action figures, pop Funkos, vintage video game systems, vinyl records, and other collectibles. Retro and vintage collectibles are their specialty. They have fair and competitive pricing on all their items. Their prices will make you say, Oh my God! Currently, they run on Facebook, and they're in the process of getting their own storefront in Logan, West Virginia. Give their Facebook page a like and keep updated on new merchandise and announcements for Comic-Cons and store opening in your area. They do ship, but only within the United States at this time. Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC, where yesterday's memories are today's future. If you are looking for anything comic book or collectible-wise, you are going to want to do one thing. Assemble. And head over to Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. Check out their Facebook page, Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. I'm just going to give you a heads up. Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC, is getting in... A two-and-a-half-foot-tall gremlin. Yes, you heard that right. Super rare, life-size gremlin. So check that out on their Facebook page. You're not going to want to miss it. $250 for this thing. It's a steal. So go check that out. Tim, you a gremlin fan? Gremlins. That's back in the day, isn't it? Oh, yeah, way back. Don't feed them after midnight. No, never do that. But... Speaking of don't feed them after midnight, ladies and gentlemen, an old familiar face stopped by recently. Tim and I had a chance to be joined for her seggy, Karen. What do you say, Tim? We roll the tape. Let's roll that tape. The following contains content that may not be suitable for listeners of all ages. It contains crude, lewd sexual humor as well as profanity. Listener discretion is advised. Hi. Hey, Karen. Hey, Nate. How are you? I'm good. Tim's with me also. Meow. I like the sound of that. <laughs> hey, guys. Congratulations on 100 great episodes. Uh, thank you. Appreciate it. I don't know about great, but 100. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invite you guys to... Um, the one hundredth time I saw cock. All right. <laughs> oh, come on, you passed that years ago. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Karen, we made we made a little something for you here. Uh, I want you to take a listen to this. This is how we introduce on the one hundredth episode one of our all time favorites, Karen. Take a listen. For nearly 100 episodes of Wide Men Can't Jump, we have came across several long-term guests and friends. One of those became known as Karen from Philly. 
During her time on Wide Men Can't Jump, she became one of the most requested friends of the show to make an appearance. Mm. Bringing you Karen's picks in what would be known as Karen Seggy live on the air. Karen was close to all of the wide men and attempted to get even closer most of the time. <laughs> Back by popular demand, here on the 100th episode, Tim, Nate, and Tom are proud to bring back at Joe Matt Fan from Twitter, the one and only Karen from Philadelphia. Welcome back, Karen. We missed you. Oh my God, I'm so turned on. <laughs> well, you know, I couldn't help but picture you in a toga, you know, in some decadent Roman orgy when that was playing. <laughs> yeah, and like, it has me all in like different positions and stuff. That goes without saying. But you know what's really great? It's great to be back on because, like, I remember how it ended, and it was kind of funny because, like, for me, it was when you guys were first starting to build, and, like, the guests were starting to improve. So you'd be like, coming up later, we have Nick Wells from Sports Illustrated to talk about the Phoenix Suns upcoming year. And also, Karen from Philly will be on to talk about her love of black cock. So it was like, <laughs> you know, like, I, and that had happened to me before, too, on other shows where, like, my stories got to be too weird or too crazy for um, the general flow. But mostly, though, the hosts always liked it. Well, you're forgetting, though, that we have Tom Robinson on this show. Yeah, that's my buddy. When we can find him, that is. Yes, when we when we can get a hold of him. But, you know, I always go back to some of those old episodes uh, when we were first getting started. And um, when it was just, you know, us at, at LaughCast. Um, oh, or, yeah, LaughCast. RIP LaughCast. Yeah, what a great network, yeah. It was. And you would call in and weekly and – it was almost the highlight of the shows for me, but for the most part, um, I loved it. It used to crack me up and I would get, you know, and, and our listeners actually loved it. Like I mentioned, like I mentioned to Tim and I said, we got to get Karen back on, man. It's been too long. It's just, we kind of lost touch um, over the past few months just because this show had become, we've gotten so busy with this show and I don't want it to go unnoticed that we will always consider you a part of the show. You were always so entertaining and so much fun uh, to have on. And am I being I fired was... again? No, 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 no,
And then you yeah. kind of took a hiatus, <laughs> a hiatus from the podcast, right? Yeah, I, I ended that albatross known as... <laughs> <laughs> I edit that albatross <laughs> known as the Monumental Waste of Time podcast. No, I love that so much. That was an incredible show. But go ahead. What were you going to say about it? Well, uh, well it wasn't so much that, but we, then we lost track. Uh, Tom kind of had a big life change moment for him, and we kind of didn't. Did he, did, he come out as, did, did he come out as trans? Well, he might have. I mean, I kind of <laughs> sort of wondered anyway, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, hell, he moved. He doesn't live in. Uh, should I be telling? Yeah, no. Hell, this isn't. This is common knowledge now. He isn't in Philly anymore. He has a significant other and and uh, moved out of the state. And we kind of lost track of him for a while while he was building a new life. And he was kind of our link yeah. to you. So we didn't really know. How yeah. To you, really. Well, no, so, no. I knew that he moved. I know that he moved because I read about it in Variety. <laughs>
People don't realize how much work goes into <laughs> producing and making yeah. a podcast, especially one that that you can be proud of. Because I know you guys on Monumental Waste of Time work really hard uh, over there. But um, let me ask you. Yeah. This. Since you promised Joe the show would stop, and it has, um, have you and have he and you became closer? Or are you all more? Is he more friendly to you now? Well, we had a we had a, a nice meet and hang out. He gave me like more than a fan experience. He like hung out with me at a, the Borgata Casino in Atlantic City, New Jersey, and we had drinks and we did a Facebook Live video that got a thousand views. I know that's not a lot, but in some ways it is. And it's more, a thousand views is nothing to really shake a stick at because especially those Facebook Lives were just ugh. Like, sometimes they're really hard to get views for, but that's awesome that you were able to do that with him. And that's really cool, in my opinion. And I've watched yeah. Joe do stand-up. He's actually really funny. If you've never watched him, check him out. He's he's really good. So has the, uh, has the length of the restraining order, the distance has been reduced then? Yeah, but you know what? Like, Joe, um, Joe does some historic stuff still, but... Um, Nobody seems to cover it, which is good for Joe. You know what I mean? He's he's happy. He's like just doing his thing for like, um, like hardcore fans that like just identify with him. You know what I mean? Well, because he's been accused of kind of mailing it in there for a while, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, but he doesn't. He works hard. Oh, I, I believe it. I just I, I read a few places that he had kind he, of been. He comes up. He he comes up with ideas like Ralph Cramden and Fred Flintstone. He's an idea man, <laughs> but um. But I got it. I got it. Yeah, I was like, I was wondering more, but there wasn't any because, well, I'm just too slow to keep up. But yeah, no. And then real quick, I I never do this. I never promote, but I just want to promote like my new show. Promote Please away. do. Please. Very cool. Um, I was suffering from social anxiety. And it was really bad. I was just staring at my purple walls. But I started listening to music, and I really liked it. So I started to do a show about it. And it's executive produced by Karen Philfran. Um, he brought up before. She does an incredible job. And... The DJ is DJ The Walrus One, and he's amazing. Have you guys listened to the show yet? It's okay if you haven't. Well, I actually have, so there. Wow. I really appreciate that. Um, so it's like melodic, progressive house, and it's really feel good, gets you up. Like, you could do anything to this music. You could work out to it. You could fuck to it. You could do chores, take a long drive. Well, I could tell you what I did to it, but, you know, I don't know. Oh, tell me, baby. Tell me. <laughs> well, I could lick your balls while you tell me. I could lick your balls. I could lick your balls while you tell me. I would hope so. I mean, this is... Oh, yeah, baby. Yeah. I mean, you and I have got some kind of a thing going, don't we? I mean, I thought that the last time when you uh, were all fours on the round table, if you recall... Oh my God! Yeah, do it. <laughs> yeah, you, to me, you and I would get along fine. We would just uh, innuendo each other. I like different positions. <laughs> I like different positions. 
You know, that church, that whole church thing gets a little boring. <laughs> I, um, I could do cowgirl or cowgirl reverse. Oh, goodness. And because I'm trans, you probably prefer reverse cowgirl so you don't have to look at my ugly face. <laughs> You've never seen me, so you can't say that. <laughs> oh. Come on now, this is, this is wide men you're talking to here. Come on. <laughs> yeah. oh, man. No, you know what I'll do? I'll I'll take over like a dominatrix, and I'll make you look and make you see what you fuck. Yeah, Tim. <laughs> and you'll look at her, and, and you'll go, Woo! Oh, a little bit of the bubble. <laughs> and I'll be like, you're just a fucking bitch. You're you're just a little bitch, aren't you? Fucking a trans. You probably trans yourself. You wanna be you want a fucking pussy, don't you? Make sure you call me whiny. Don't forget that part. (laughs) Little whiny bitch. There we go. (laughs) You little whiny bitch. And coming up next, uh Tim Jones from the Athletics gonna be here to talk about the Rising salary cap. <laughs> no, see, and I well, hey, rising salary cap. That's actually pretty good. So I was going to go with the uh, oh. but, uh, the de- penetration of the defense, but yeah. oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. Oh, Karen, God, see, Karen, moved uh, on for me after I had my first child. So that was. Uh, oh yeah, I don't. Yeah, I'm not into kids. I understand. I got to grow. You know what I mean? They take. They take. They take they take attention from me. They take money from me. They don't Fuck know them, you know. I don't, don't like know that shit. Yeah, they don't know how to place a bet. They're dumb. They don't yeah. Know how to a <laughs> you know. They don't understand. Oh the man. Or over under. That's that. Listen, listen. My ex has had fucking kids, and I couldn't fucking I I could never get with him on a Saturday. Because of the fucking kids. Okay, well, they're needy. Let me tell you. you so know, I blah, ended up, you know. Blah, 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 feed me. Blah, 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 blah. You know. Why do they need to eat so much? That's a question I've often wondered. And well, you have it worse, <laughs> Nate. You have a white kid. They're the worst. <laughs> yeah. Well, my little guy's pretty yeah. cool. I like him. Uh, he's almost one year one year old now. It'd be one on Halloween, believe it or not. Uh, on the black market, he has like zero value. <laughs> like you know, one year that's already old. Yeah, no, I know. just want to. I just want to break the news I'll, to you. Yeah, I think I'll keep him. <laughs> okay. No, keep keep following keep following Tom's betting advice, and you'll be changing your mind. <laughs> you know, Tom this week did really well. Tom went nine and five on the NFL, so uh, he's actually been doing. No, I know. Well. I was kidding. Tom is the best. Like Tom is part of that. I don't, he never talks about. It. I don't give a shit where he moved to now under the witness protection program or whatever the fuck. But <laughs> Tom is from Delco County of Philadelphia. Oh. Oh, we know. And that is we like know. the gambling mecca. That is secretly the gambling mecca of the USA. Like, did did you know that his cat has taken over his house in uh, Clifton oh, Heights? 
No, it's true. His cat, his cat cock blocked Tom, and Tom had to move out. And that cat has his own house. It's unbelievable. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, Tommy. Tom Robinson has got a grudge against an eighteen-year-old cat for <laughs> cock blocking. If you can imagine. See, yo, game one, game one of the whole fucking year, Tom was like, I'll take the Bears over the Packers. I was like, call up my man, give me the Packers. <laughs> <laughs> That's what a lot of people do. They, they wait for Tom's picks and then just go opposite. No, but I think he's doing way better. But if the pressure's on, Tom can't do it. Tom can't do it if the pressure's on. Karen was like that on our when she did her seggy here. I believe there for a while, Karen was like, "Oh, and a lifetime." Tom is a lot oh yeah, I'm the worst. If he's not betting money, Tom is 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 good. But if he's betting his own money, he's just trash. <laughs> well, yeah, that's what I found. What if he's got real money on the games? He tends. That's to, what I meant. Yeah. Yeah, he tends to overthink things when he's got real money on him, and when he just. Well, he's just picking for, like, well, what he says for fun. Then he usually does, you know, well, like this week, you know, nine and five. Can't argue with that. Yeah, you, I totally believe you. Like, I, to illustrate it, like, when Tom's chewing on a towel like Jerry Tarkanian, you know he's not winning the game. Like. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I usually see Tom doing, like, the Bear Bryant thing when the kid's running down the sidelines and reaching out and punching him in the head. <laughs> Oh yeah, um, oh, man. that might be a bit of a Woody Hayes. Yeah, Woody Hayes, right? Not Bear Bryant. Woody Hayes, right? How dare I sully the name of Bear Bryant? Oh, God, people in Alabama are gonna um, So, so Karen, let me ask this: other than you know your new show, which is coming out, uh, where? By the way, where is it available at for people that want to listen to it and check it out? Oh, very cool. Um, it's available on SoundCloud. Um, look up Bird's Ear View, and it's available on Stitcher. Um, look up Bird's Ear View, but on Stitcher, you have to make sure you put the apostrophe S for Bird's Ear View. And it's such such a cool show. Um, my team is, you know, it's really interesting. I've never met my team, um, the executive producer and the DJ, um, Karen Philfan and Walrus One. I've never met them, but we have this like connection and it's like such a statement on society or something like, yeah. Have you guys all met? No, Hell I've no. never met Tom or Tim in person. Isn't that wild? We just think we, we just like to have our love affair like on the internet. Yeah. I, I, I get so fascinated by that uh, rapport and that's what we rock and it just works. Well, but you I guys at least know who you you guys at least know who you are. I don't even know these people. <laughs> okay, I love them. The best, thing, the best thing about it is you know, you can have your podcasting life, you can have your podcasting friends and you know Tim honestly Tim's became one of my probably best friends in the world right now. Um oh, and God, and God. they don't get and they don't get involved and they don't, and you can kind of. Oh yeah. I, I care more about my DJ than I do my parents. <laughs> <laughs> but it's one of those things where you, you, uh, <laughs> this, this is kind of one of those things that you do. And 
you can vent to these people. You can talk about things uh, that you can't talk to to people that are maybe close to your situation or stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like, if you got a problem with, you know, something going on here and, and you know, Tim and TR were both there for me whenever me and my, my ex split up and and things like mm. that. So like, I was able to, well, the, to confide in them and what I couldn't confide in anyone else that was close yeah, to well, the, the situation. The, the oh, thing. wait a sec. Wait a sec. Wait a sec. So your ex... You gave your ex the double whammy that you guys broke up. Then you met somebody else, started fucking, and then had a kid. That's the triple play no, there. No, 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 that's not what happened at all. I had no. the kid okay, good. with the ex. And then... Oh. Again. Yeah, we, two breakups? We broke up and had gotten back together, and then we finally ended it for good. And what if she can't handle your attention to wide men? <laughs> no, no, there were some other reasons behind no, it. No, it's, uh, it's that whole gay thing she really wasn't dealing with too well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's a problem. Um, that's a problem. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, when you like to. I hold, I hold no ill will towards her, though. Like, I have nothing. She's a good mother. That's all I can ask. Uh, we get along for the most part. I won't give your age because, of course, a man does not give a woman's age out without her permission. Um, but we're from a different generation than these millennial types. They don't think. Oh, yeah. When, when we were that age, that would have been a huge deal. And now it's it's nothing. People don't think anything of it. Well, they split up. They had a kid. Oh, well. You know what? Like, if you guys are mostly straight, like, you probably had, um, you know, random closeted by experiences. And it, it, like when you, and you when you're in that situation, like how weird is it that first moment when you're with another guy as a as a guy with another guy, and like you're doing stuff and you realize, okay, I'm in that sexual mode, but there's not a vagina within three miles from here. <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like it's like it's like <laughs> that thought. Like you know what I mean? Like you plow ahead. You know what I mean? You plow ahead, but like. It's a difficult situation. Nate? <laughs> I mean, I, I, it, it's a difficult situation, yeah, but I mean, I, I can't attest to going, you know, in that that way. But I mean, I don't know. Um, again, it just is what it is, and that's kind of where I'm at with it. Out with it. Oh, I thought you said okay. Oh, you said out with it. Right, um, but I thought you meant out with it. No, 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 no. No, that's great. That you know what? I think it's really great that you guys, um, you know, because look, lots of athletes that never seem to make a team again come out um, as gay, and no one's saying no one's actually saying that they never seem to get in an actual game again after their pronouncement. But, um, you know, sports is embracing homosexuality in some ways. It is. is. At at some point, what will happen is somebody will, who is young and really, really good at a sport, um, when will be known as being gay right from the get-go, and then there will Mm -hmm. be then there won't be any resistance because no one's going to care. You know, if LeBron James would have been, well, it's a, you know, 16 year old LeBron James and he's gay. 
nobody would have <laughs> Yeah, that would be that would be great for but something like that. Instead Matt, instead we have Matt instead we have Magic Johnson's kid. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen this piece of work. <laughs> it's just, if if people have <laughs> it'll happen. Sooner or later somebody will, will either get brave enough to do it early on or it'll just get to the point where nobody really I don't think it'll get to the point where no one will just, it just won't be that big a deal anymore. Yeah, because we're still, you know, you know, we're still, uh, those of us in the LGBTQ um, family are still carting around Jeff Garcia as our hero. I mean, we need something new and fresh here to get going. You know what I mean? What about, what about Michael Sam? Wasn't he your guy? You guys, weren't you guys swinging his banner there for a while until he Turned into a wuss and well, he couldn't make uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm saying didn't he didn't he fall victim to the you've come out as gay, you'll never play another down, believe it or not, like syndrome. Well he he came out before the draft. Um and I think this is just me speculating here, and, and no offense to anyone by saying this, but I think he used it to try to get drafted. Not saying he's not, but uh, I think he got came out with it just so he could get drafted because I don't think he was gonna get drafted. Unless he did, well, he, and uh, to, they took he, a chance on him. He came up to Montreal, which has got to be, uh, at least in Canada anyway, the most liberal city going. And there in Vancouver. And uh, Montreal even way more than Vancouver. And he still couldn't, uh, he, he just couldn't fit in for whatever reason, and he didn't like it there. So I don't know what his, because he couldn't even play in the CFL. He, he didn't make a, didn't make it work, so. Yeah. I mean, and there's there's high school teams in America that could beat CFL teams. So very true. Hmm. I don't know about that. That seems made up. Uh, no. There's a few good American players. <laughs> you know. That sounded made up. Guys in the CFL who sell cars in the off season because the CFL only pays thirty or forty thousand dollars a year. It's not a real league. I mean, an NFL team would absolutely crush a CFL team. It wouldn't even be close. College teams would decimate CFL teams. The guys are bigger, stronger. It's 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 like beer league hockey. <laughs> Well, that's what it well is. as a groupie, as a groupie, I'm offended because I would like to still um, blow people on AAA and AA um, and smaller leagues. Okay, where are you going with that? That was it. Yeah, like. You came out against <laughs> you came out against you came out against athletes that are really trying. They're hard. Well, I came out against them. I just said they're not very good. That, that just sounds like a the Friday night entry from your journal or something. <laughs> oh man! You got me there. You schooled me. <laughs> It was just a fact that you were mentioning, nothing else. <laughs> very cool, very cool. Let's, oh, let's man. Get, let's, get to, let's get to something a little more on topic. I, I think I might have heard the story before, but how and where do you know Tom Robinson from? Like, I know you're a, both Philly people, but how long have you guys known each other? 
Um, I would say like 15 years. And you guys met like through the, through the comedy game. Is that correct? Yeah. The Philadelphia comedy scene, we were both on it and, um, then we got involved in local radio and just hanging out. And we had a lot of adventures and a lot of commonalities, you know, Tommy and me, um, have a similar sense of humor and, um, we like sports and, you know, we had like the same, um, cloud over our head. Like we both know about being like slept rock. The black cloud. I've heard about it several yeah. times. Yeah. Is there a job that Tom Robinson hasn't had? <laughs> well, um, it's really interesting you say that because I always talk it back and it's timely to a story of one night when I randomly saw Tom walking and he was dressed up as a ghosty ghoul. <laughs> and he said to me, he said to me, oh, yeah, I'm I'm working over at this, like, haunted house, okay? <laughs> hold on. <laughs> hold on. <laughs> and he said, do I, do, do I, he said to me, do I, do I look, like, you know, scary enough? And I said, dude, you could go there in a tuxedo and still get the job. Don't worry about it. <laughs> he's a rather, he's a rather imposing looking man sometimes. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, so but it was just so yeah. funny to see him with like, you know, he looked like Uncle Fester. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Karen, Karen, I'll tell you this. <laughs> That's hilarious. I, I think we're running short of time, so I want to thank you so much for coming back on and, re, and us reliving Karen Seggy tonight. And uh, we we need to get you back sooner rather than later. And uh, if you all right, cool. Yeah, we got to. Yeah, do if you want, there. go ahead and plug your show one more time. It's it's Bird's Ear View. Uh, go check. Yeah, it out. Bird's Ear View. B R. B I R D apostrophe S birds. Now, Karen, ear, Karen you. Listen, I've known you for a long time. If there's anybody that should know about a bird, it's you. Okay, you need I have spelled. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then maybe there is. Uh, when I have a really cool insignia, this little bird wearing headphones. He's so cute. Um, so <laughs> check it out on Stitcher or my SoundCloud Bird's Ear View. That's what most people right. say when they see my bird, with or without headphones. Oh, it's so cute. Yo, I just want to say, I just want to say thanks. Oh, anytime, Karen. We're you're glad to have you on, here. and uh, we'll you're get back with you soon. Uh, yeah, you're welcome in this neck. I think I crushed. Oh, oh you did great. We loved it every time. Keep it, keep that on. The part where I say, I think I crushed. I think I crushed America. Bye. <laughs> Thanks, Karen. We'll see you next time. Oh, man. Stay Classy Meats is your online meat market where you can get the best quality meat for competitive prices. Head on over to stayclassymeats.com and use the promo code WIDEMEN to save 10% on your order. That's right. If you head to stayclassymeats.com, you can save 10% on your order with promo code WIDEMEN, but that's not all. Not only will Stay Classy Meats give you 10% off, they're also throwing in a free pound of Montana grass-fed ground beef. Make sure you get over to stayclassymeats.com right now to check out their selection, whether it be pork, ribs, chicken, steak, 
bison, ribeye, or any other type of meat that you desire, you can get it at stayglassymeats.com. They are high-quality meats that you will not want to miss out on. If you like to eat well and eat clean and eat some of the best quality products out there, Stay Classy Meats is for you. Again, head to stayglassymeats.com right now. I felt we had to play Stay Classy Meats there after Karen because Karen loves classy meat. That's one thing that we know for sure. <laughs> but I made some great Stay Classy Meats uh, steaks the other day. My God, they were fantastic. I posted the pictures on Instagram. Uh, go check them out. They're on my Facebook as well. They were fantastic. We, Me and my, my family ate like pigs off of those steaks, so... Go check them out, stayclassymeats.com. Use promo code WIDEMAN, save yourself 10%, and get a free pound of Montana grass-fed ground beef. Tim, what a jam-packed show we have had today, and we sh- we're we not done yet. No, it, it, it's been a kicker, baby. Hey, we were a little short last week on time. We're going way over time this week. This week, we're talking to Rob Fisher from the Memphis Grizzlies as we continue around the league in the NBA. We've only got... After this interview with Rob, next week we will have our final two teams, the Los Angeles Clippers and the Minnesota Timberwolves. So looking forward to that. We're finishing up next week on our trip around the league, getting you ready for tip-off, as tip-off is very close to happening, as well as our season premiere. Don't miss it. But now let's go hear our talk with Rob Fisher as we talk Memphis Grizzlies here on Wide Men Can't Jump. Tim, what do you say? All the way to Memphis, baby. Back on the show with us is the Memphis Grizzlies sidelines pre- and post-game host and host of the Odds Couple, Rob Fisher. Rob, what's going on, man? Thanks for jumping back here on Why Men Can't Jump. Doing well. Just getting ready for the season to get started. Yeah, we're not too far off, and uh, the Memphis Grizzlies are really one of the teams that a lot of people are looking at as probably not going to be considered a major contender in the West this season. However, uh, that can be deceiving. Um, They have a great young core of talent. Uh, Let's go ahead and start with what they did in the NBA draft. They draft Ja Morant at number two, the consensus number two overall pick. And they part ways with Mike Conley, allowing him to go elsewhere and um, to play as they look to get younger. A A lot of the veteran pieces they had are gone. What do you think about the change from Mike Conley over to Ja Morant, and what does Ja Morant bring to this Memphis Grizzlies team this season? Well, it's going to be a lot different for Grizzlies fans. Uh, You know, going from Zach Randolph and Tony Allen, who've now been gone a couple of years, and then Marcus Saul last year in the middle of the season, and now Mike Conley, that core four group is gone in the grit grit and grind era. It's pretty much over. Uh, So it's, it's, it's definitely a big change, but I think it's an exciting change because, you know, the team's going to play different. They're very young. They're high-flying athletic. And I think that's exciting for people to kind of catch up to the way basketball's played today. Uh, As far as John Morant's concerned, you know, sky's the limit. And I keep telling people there's, there's a chance. There's a chance. And I'm not saying he is, but there's a chance 
that Memphis has a superstar on their hands. And for how people felt about Zach Randolph, Marcus All, Mike Conley, they weren't superstars. They were really, really good players. You might even say they were stars. They were stars for the Memphis Grizzlies for sure. But the Grizzlies have never truly had a superstar. And he has that potential. And I think it's exciting and fascinating to see how that turns out and how people will respond to seeing a guy like they've potentially seen a guy that they've never seen before uh, and something that exciting and having a potential superstar on your team. And, you know, I think that that's thrilling. Then you put him alongside a guy like Jaron Jackson, who showed brilliance uh, throughout his time in his rookie season and you expect him to get better. And, you know, the future looks really bright. And you mentioned the draft, getting John Morant was huge, but then to come back and get a guy like Brandon Clark, who fits into that mold of young, athletic, long, a guy who can get up and down the floor, who can play above the rim, who can accept alley-oop passes from John Morant, who's so good at doing that, that, you know, you've got a good young threesome there mixed with some good veteran players. And, and I think it's a, I think it's a very good mix. I, I don't consider the Grizzlies a playoff team this year either, but I think they're a lot closer to a Dallas than they are a Phoenix. Yeah, and the Grizzlies have a lot of good players on this team. I mean, if you look up and down the roster, they have Ty- Tyus Jones, who they got in the free agent deal after Minnesota didn't resign. I'm a Minnesota fan, so I know how good Tyus Jones can be when he's not restricted. And if Memphis opens him up and lets him go, he'll be a very good piece to this team. What made Memphis want to go out and get Tyus Jones uh, during this offseason? Well, I think they wanted to mix the young core that they have with good, solid veteran players. And Tyus Jones will be given an opportunity to play a lot. You know, John Morant is scheduled to be the starter on the team, but I think we'll see Tyus Jones playing with John Morant often. He'll get plenty of minutes uh, in a backup role as well. He'll be a leader, mentor. I mean, Tyus Jones isn't that old, but he's one of the old veterans uh, on this team right now. And you know, you look at himself and uh, Jonas Valanciunas, who, who did so well for the Grizzlies at the end of last season, and he's going to be in that starting lineup. And you look at a guy like Kyle Anderson, who's just a steady championship player, and Jay Crowder, who's just a very good player and has been on winning teams in his career. You know, I think it's a good mix of veteran leadership to put around these young guys. And, and the best thing so far out of camp to hear are these veteran players talking about being all in. And wanting to not just, you know, win and play well, but wanting to really bring the young guys along for the ride and bring them along with them. And they're all kind of taking the young guys under their wing and, and becoming veteran leaders. And, and I think that's, that's great for a guy like Tyus Jones. I mean, he's, he's being, he might still have a backup role, but it's a much bigger role than what he had in Minneapolis. And, you know, he's going to be called on a lot to not just be, a good, solid basketball player, but to also be a leader of this basketball team. And I think that's exciting for him. Yeah, and he's uh, he's good friends with Jimmy Butler. Uh, so if he's one of the few that can actually get along with that guy, he's a saint <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but uh, you mentioned Jonas Valanciunas, who played so well for the Grizzlies late last year. I always thought he was a great player, had a great game in Toronto, when he played there, just didn't fit with what was going on there, and the move was made to bring him in and to uh, get rid of Mark Gasol. Jonas is a solid center. He's a great piece. What does he bring to the Grizzlies team here this season? He's going to have his first full season with the team. 
is he going to be another Gasol, or is his game a little bit different, and we're going to have to watch how he develops with this team? Well, I think he showed at the end of last year he's a double-double machine. Um, you know, he was coming out, he, he had a couple of games where he had over 20 rebounds last year, and, you know, he was getting 20 points uh, rather often. His double-doubles night in and night out, and, and I think that's what he'll be called on to do again. And, you know, with Jaron Jackson out on the floor, Jackson playing primarily the four with Jonas playing the five, you know, Valanciunas really picks up where Jaron, at least at this point of his career, isn't his strongest suit, and that's defensive rebounding. Well, Valanciunas grabs everything. And, you know, you, you, you hate to compare him to Marcus Hall because Marcus Hall's done it for so long and, and has been so consistent with his numbers throughout his career. But Valanciunas is a guy that is a little more aggressive offensively than Gasol was. And defensively, you know, doesn't necessarily look to clear space for rebounds to be had. He goes and gets the rebounds himself. So he's a guy that's going to put up big numbers. And I think being able to have a full season as a starting center in this league, I think it's going to really benefit Jonas Valanciunas. And I think it'll be great for the Grizzlies because he just showed last year, he is a numbers getter and he's a guy that you can get the ball to when you need a basket. And You know, when you have a young team, that's one of the problems. Come win time of a game, who's the guy that you're going to go to to get that basket? And Valanciunas is one of those guys. You can go to him to get a basket when need be. Another guy you can go to when you need to score late is Jaron Jackson Jr. Uh, this is a guy who a lot of people called the absolute best player out of the draft that he was in, and Memphis grabbed him. And he's proven to be a fantastic talent. Really could end up being – he and Morant could end up being – two of the best players to ever put on a Grizzlies jersey if they stick around and ride this wave of rebuild. What what's your thoughts on Jaron Jackson? I'm assuming you're I'm assuming you love the way he plays, but what do you think about him yeah. this coming into his is uh I believe this is his second season this year. Yeah, yeah, looking forward to to see what he's done and where he's developed coming into his second season because he's he looks a little bigger, he looks a little quicker. And I think he, you know, he went through his rookie year of really doing a lot. I think, you know, pretty much, you know, exceeding expectations even at times with his outside shot, his ability to knock down threes and uh, his ability to pass, his ability to put the ball on the floor at that size is is pretty remarkable. So I, I think I'm really looking forward to it. And, you know, you mentioned him and Job being the guys that, you know, could be two of the best uh, ever. Well, everything the Grizzlies did this off season and they've been applauded for all the moves that they've made uh, in clearing cap space as well. And they're going to have a lot of cap space next summer. A lot of money comes off the books. It all will be great. And everything they did will be great. If those two turn out to be what you expect them to be. And that's Jaron being a star and John Morant being a potential superstar. And if that's the case, those are two solid building blocks to build around with a guy at point guard and a guy, one of your bigs as well. That's that's that, that that's a great start to, to to building something for the future, and and I think the Grizzlies got two great pieces right there. Jaron, I'm I'm just looking forward to seeing how his inside game has developed, and you know he's he's been in camp the first week of camp. He's been so strong in the post and and, and making moves in the post and getting easy baskets because of his length. He can get a shot off on anybody at any given time. And then when he takes it outside as well and you don't expect it, then he'll knock down a three on you. So I think, uh, I think Jaron's uh, – I, I expect more improvement from Jaron this year than what we saw last year. And if you get that, 
he's on his way to becoming what we hope he'd become. Another guy that the Grizzlies acquired in the offseason that we haven't, I don't think we're going to see much of this year, according to rumor, is um, Andre Iguodala. He was acquired in a trade, um, comes over, and Iguodala, they basically were looking for a first-round pick from what is being said for him, and he's not reporting to training camp. There was a mutual agreement there by the Grizzlies and Iguodala to not bring him to training camp, to not have him with the team. What's the situation? What's the deal with this Andre Iguodala uh, deal, and are there any potential suitors for the trade? I don't know if there are any potential suitors for a trade now. Um, you know, and I think the Grizzlies would, would really like to to find one. The problem is with uh, Iguodala's salary, trying to find a potential deal, you'd probably have to take players back and return, and the Grizzlies already have a roster crunch on their hands. So to do that, they'd certainly want a, a draft pick. And, um, you know, teams, I don't I don't know if they're going to be willing to do that. And if, you know, what the Grizzlies would get in return, I don't know if they'd be willing to – take the contracts that would be given in return. But right now it's just a matter of both sides are kind of in agreement that it's best that he not be around and he's not in camp. And I think they're trying to find a potential suitor. And uh, I don't know if that's going to be able to happen, but the Grizzlies would like to have that roster spot free uh, because right now he'll be taking up a roster spot and, you know, not be playing for the Memphis Grizzlies. It's not expected that he's ever going to play a game in a Grizzlies uniform. So if they can't find a potential suitor when the season gets started, I, I would expect that at some point they'd have to look at a buyout. And at some point, maybe Iguodala would accept a buyout that would be fair for the Grizzlies as well. Um, because, you know, right now Iguodala wants his money and the Grizzlies aren't going to pay him his money to go away. They want to get something in return. So unless Iguodala comes down on his price of a buyout, I think the Grizzlies will just stand pat until they can find a suitor and find some potential trade down the road. But it's it's it seems like a messy situation, but I don't think it I don't think it's that messy. I think both sides kind of agree that him being away is fine. But now it's just a matter of you know the Grizzlies want to get something for him. The Grizzlies don't want to just give him his money and tell him goodbye. They they want something in return. And uh, right now it's just a, a hard market to find anything to get in return because a lot of the teams that would want him. Like I said, they'll give you bad contracts in return. Grizzlies don't want to do that. And, uh, and, and a lot of these teams, too, have given up a lot of draft picks uh, in this offseason. So there aren't many picks out there for, to be had as well for the Grizzlies. So I don't, I don't know what's going to happen and how it's ultimately going to pan out, but I would just expect that Iguodala won't be wearing a Grizzlies uniform. Another guy who probably won't be wearing a Grizzlies uniform much at all this year will be uh, – one Josh Jackson acquired from the Phoenix Suns, and from what I'm reading, he's going to be spending most of his time down in the G League. Uh, he's not going to be up with the Suns, or excuse me, with the Grizzlies after the trade. What's the deal with Josh Jackson? This was a guy who was a fourth round, a fourth overall pick a few years ago. Now down in the G League, what's what's going on with him? Yeah, it's an interesting situation, and obviously he's had a lot of off court problems as well, and. You know, Grizzlies didn't even invite him to camp, just told him to stay away from camp and that he'll start the season in the G League. So, you know, and basically have to earn his way to the big club. So he'll still be under contract. He'll be playing in the G League. He's not participating in training camp or preseason camp for the Grizzlies. So he'll just start with the Memphis Hustle in the G League when their season gets started in November. And, you know, based on how he performs both on the court and off the court will determine whether or not 
he's got a spot with the Grizzlies. So, you know, the Grizzlies have been framing it as it's an opportunity for Josh Jackson to just kind of prove that he belongs in the NBA and prove that he belongs and, and deserves this chance with the Memphis Grizzlies. But with the young team and with them trying to build chemistry and trying to build something special, uh, I, it, it just appears that the Grizzlies don't want him around to, to disrupt any of that because he has been a little bit of a disruption. So if he can get his stuff together while playing in the G League and play well in the G League, I, I guess they, they have a spot for him because, again, he's like Iguodala. He's got a roster spot, but he's not going to be on the team. So that's two roster spots now you're looking at that are basically vacant for the Memphis Grizzlies to start the season and two roster spots that could be pretty, pretty valuable for the Grizz going forward with a young team and foul trouble and things like that. So not having two players is, is, you know, pretty tough to take on when the season begins, but Josh Jackson, I would imagine it's going to be pretty quick to determine whether or not they believe his services are rendered, uh, you know, for the NBA game and whether or not he'll be with the Grizzlies at some point or not, but at least to start the season, he'll be starting in the G league. Well, one guy who the Grizzlies did acquire in the offseason, former Utah Jazz player Grayson Allen. He came over in that trade with Jay Crowder for Mike Conley. Uh, Grayson Allen joins uh, the bench unit here. A big-time player at Duke, uh, reunited with a former teammate, Tyus Jones, I I believe. Um, Grayson Allen, what does he bring to Memphis that maybe uh, some other players are lacking? He's a little bit older than a lot of the, the younger guys that are coming in as he played four years in college, didn't come out. Uh, it wasn't a one and done or, you know, anything like that. This is a guy who's a little bit older, but he's just, he's still young um, in his NBA years. What do you, what's your thoughts on Grayson Allen? Well, he comes with getting an opportunity. You know, I think Grayson Allen's a guy that you'd love to have on your team because of his grittiness and his, his toughness and his competitiveness that he plays with. But the question is, can he play? Can he play in the NBA? Is he good enough to stick in the NBA? Is he good enough to be a guy who can be a rotational player for you night in and night out. And I think that's something the Utah Jazz at times last year were frustrated with and sent him down to the G League because they didn't feel like he was really good enough defensively and, and didn't, didn't take you know, the defense. Uh, with that grittiness and competitiveness that you have, you expect him to be that type of player defensively, and he wasn't good enough for the Jazz, so they kept sending him down to the G League. And at the end of the year, when he got an opportunity to play, he performed pretty well, had a big scoring night for the Jazz late in the season last year too. But, you know, this is a guy who's on his rookie contract who still is trying to make it stick in the league. He'll get an opportunity to play uh, in the Grizzlies rotation. It's just a matter of whether or not he can take advantage of it and take advantage of the opportunity. And, you know, how he, he's got the reputation for being dirty. Um, you know, and he, he talks about that. He talked about it at media day last week about, you know, that reputation and, and how it's kind of been his fault that he has that reputation. And, you know, that's something that's going to have to change as well. I don't, you know, I'm sure it didn't sit very well getting thrown out of a summer league game with two flagrant fouls, but you know, so that, that stuff's going to have to kind of calm down. He's going to have to keep his temper in check. But this is a chance for him to be on a team where he'll get a chance to get minutes and can show that he deserves a chance in the NBA. You know, and, and I, I, think it's, I think it's a good spot for him because uh, he'll get that opportunity. I mean, he, he showed he's played at a high level both in college and in the NBA. He's played on winning teams in college and in the NBA. And now to come to this team and have a chance to play like he did in college and maybe play a little more freely than he did in Utah will be good for him. So 
I'm looking forward to watching him. And, and again, I, to me, the, the only question on Grayson is, can he play? Can he be consistent enough night in and night out to really be a rotation guy? Well, that remains to be seen with him. Again, you brought up him being labeled a dirty player. Um, again, that comes with his with territory with him. We'll have to wait and see um, how how that turns out. Who's maybe a player on this team that people aren't talking about right now that maybe we should be? Maybe the Grizzlies is maybe a, a best-kept secret, per se, looking to have a, a nice year for the Grizzlies that maybe nobody's going to expect to have a nice year for this team. Who do you expect? Well, I think the hope there is Brandon Clark, <clears throat> that second first-round pick that the Grizzlies got this year. You know, he was expected to go a lot higher in the draft. And he fell down in the draft a little bit. Um, he's a guy that can play in many different positions, but he's so athletic, he's so long. And during the summer league, he was so good shooting threes that if that's something that can translate into the regular season, he could be very valuable. And, you know, if he can be that guy, um, you know, now you're, you're not necessarily looking just at your core two nucleus guys and John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. Could Brandon Clark be a third guy to throw into that? And I, I think that's something that's exciting to watch for Grizzlies fans this year is to see if Brandon Clark will be that sort of talent and be a lottery type of talent where the Grizzlies got him in the draft and, and be able to be a rotational guy who, you know, could be starting by the end of the year. You know, is he, can he be that good? And, and can he be part of your future as far as your starting five is concerned? I, I think that's a guy that maybe, you know, what he showed in summer league was great, but as we always say about summer league, well, it's just summer league. So, We'll see what it translates into the NBA's regular season. You know, and with all these guys being young, they're all going to have their growing pains. They're all going to have games where they look like rookies and they look too young and they look out of place. But, you know, is he going to be able to have more nights of showing flashes uh, of brilliance than showing flashes of being just a young rookie in the NBA? So I think that's one exciting guy to look forward to this season for the Grizzlies. I think the other one is Jay Crowder, like I said earlier. You know, a guy that's played on a lot of big teams, uh, big winning teams. And, you know, he's going to get an opportunity probably to start at the beginning of the season. And so he'll have more opportunity than maybe he's had in the past. And, you know, being the leader that he is and wants to be for the young guys on the team, I think he could have a big season. He might be a guy going into a contract year. He keeps saying he's all in. He's told Grizzlies management he's all in when he got traded to the Grizzlies. He could have been one of those guys that said, hey, I'd rather – you know, get dealt somewhere else. I'd rather be waived or bought out of my contract. But, you know, he didn't want to do that. He basically told them from the beginning, I'm all in. I want to be a part of this. I want to be part of this uh, building culture and be part of these young guys. And, and I want to be a leader on this team. And, you know, but he's his contract is going to be very valuable come trade deadline time. So it'll be interesting to see if the Grizzlies uh, would listen to offers for him at that point based on, you know, how well he's helping the young guys, how big of a part of the franchise he is at that point, you know, how valuable will he be to the Grizzlies in the final year of a contract, or would he be more valuable to be moved for more assets at the trade deadline? You know, he fits that uh, Memphis mentality very well, Jay Crowder does. The the blue-collar, hardworking, just – does all those little things, plays really well on defense. I think he'll fit in very well there in uh, in Memphis with the Grizzlies team. Uh, last thing I want to bring up here before I let you go, um, the Grizzlies over-under projected 27.5. 26.5 is about the range that uh, a lot of the opening experts are given. What do you think? Over-under, we'll say 27.5 wins. And uh, 
I know you said earlier you don't expect them to make the playoffs, but where do you see this Grizzlies team finishing um, up come the end of the regular season? I would go over that total, and I don't think by a lot, but but I think over that total. I, I mean, like I said, I, I think they got good young players, but they have really good veterans mixed in with those players. So I think they're going to win some games um, because I think they can play well on a lot of nights that they're going to win games. But I think also in their favor for how competitive the Western Conference is going to be this year and how tough games are going to be night in and night out for these teams in the West, there are going to be a lot of nights where teams are going to feel like when they play the Grizzlies, they're going to have a night off. And I don't think this team's going to give teams a night off. And so they might sneak up on some people and get some wins that way as well. Like I said, I, I think they're closer to the Dallases of the world than they are to Phoenix. I don't, I don't think they'll be at the bottom of the Western Conference. I don't think they'll be in the top eight either. Uh, but, but I do think around 30, 31 wins this season uh, isn't too much to ask for. I think they go over that total. All right. Well, Rob, thanks again for jumping on and giving us uh, some Grizzlies insider talk there and letting us know what's going on in Memphis. Oh, when's wrestling night in Memphis? Have they announced that yet? <laughs> I haven't seen the schedule for the wrestling night. but uh, huh? I'll, I forgot. I'll make sure I let you guys know when I find out the wrestling nights are coming yeah, up. Yeah, please do. we got the steel uh, uniforms yeah, coming back this year. So, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Looking forward to that, too. But, yeah, let me know when wrestling night is. I'm going to have to... Make a trip down. If I do, I'll uh, I'll get a holler at you, and you can show me some good barbecue, man. I'm a barbecue eater, so. Uh, Sounds funny. But anyway, let our listeners know where they can keep up with you and uh, keep up with this Memphis Grizzlies talk and uh, follow you out on social media and all those plugs. Yeah, on uh, Twitter, it's at the Fish Nation is where you can find me on Twitter. And uh, the Odds Couple is a football show that we do, a handicapping show every week on Grind City Media, and you can get that wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, it's the Odds Couple with myself and Lang Whitaker, and we do that uh, every week, talking SEC football and uh, top 25 action and NFL action and uh, handicapping it all for the weekend. So uh, you can check that out at grindcitymedia.com or uh, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm going to have to check that out. I went 8-6 and six this week against the spread in the NFL, but – Whew, it's been a tough go. season so far. Yeah, eight and six is okay, <laughs> but uh felt like I could have done a little why better. Those lights are, why those lights are bright in Vegas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Rob, thanks again for jumping on, and we'll hope to have you back real soon talk some more Memphis Grizzlies. You got it. And that was my talk with Rob Fisher from the Memphis Grizzlies and a lot of insight there on that Grizzlies team, a young team looking to develop, looking to see what Ja Morant does. But, Tim, we've made it, man. Episode 100 has came, and now it is gone. Looks like we made it. <laughs> it does look like that we've made it. And uh, for everybody that's stuck with us out there, we thank you so much for for being with us through all this. And uh, – now I'm going to provide you what's called a, a virage, I guess you could say, or I'm just going to throw a bunch of sound clips at you just for the hell of it. There's Diana looking like some kind of whore. Segway. Woo! Well, I mean, listen, we're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. You piece of slime, Playoffs? Playoffs?
iTunes Podcast Addict Stitcher Google Play FM Flash Let us know how we did Oh, Also iHeartRadio Let us know if you liked episode 100 um, No Bogus report this week After what happened last week We'll see He may be back next week We don't know for sure I've got, um, a, I've got it on pretty good authority Ed's going to be back With a boycott of Chinese food Nick. Uh-oh Well, look out for that We're looking forward to next week As we finish up our trip around the league This off season. Uh, Timberwolves Clippers will be next week, so can't wait for that. And what? Really? Well, ladies and gentlemen, Rusty Shackelford has informed me that we have a special musical outro for this week's show dedicated to the love Tom has of the 76ers. So I don't even know what this is. Um, this is new, so Shackelford informed me that's what's going on. Uh, again, thanks to our sponsors, the law offices of Stephen P. New, um, stripcamfund.com, Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC, and Stay Classy Meats. Thanks, everybody, for 100 episodes of love. We love you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in, watching, and listening, and uh, letting us know how we do. Thanks to all of our great listeners, all 70 countries. Wide Men Can't Jump loves you. Check out patreon.com slash jump. We appreciate all of you so much for what you've done here to make a hundred episodes possible. Really? I can't even begin to tell you how much, uh, it means to us that we were able to get this far. Uh, Tim, what do you know about this, this last segment here? So did you don't call little TR? Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Is that little TR? Oh man. I can't believe you did not call me. This is ridiculous. Yeah. I'm outraged, sir. Outraged. Oh, my God. Little TR, welcome aboard. Where is that deadbeat dad of mine? He was working last I heard. Well, when you see him, you tell him this coat is way too damn big. <laughs> well, that seems to run in the family. I couldn't wear this coat. Good Lord, it could house a family of immigrants under this tent. <laughs> How are you, little T.R.? It's been a minute. I'm angry, Nate Bush. Angry. I can tell. First, my dad, Tom Robinson, sends me up to Canada, forced to drink maple syrup and eat poutine for months on end. Then that no-good Tim Dombrova sends me to Mexico. I don't know why. Supposed to meet Armando Martinez on the way, but he didn't show up. Something about a 49ers game or something. I don't know. Then I get incarcerated. (laughs) Now I find myself in Kentucky, of all places. Good Lord. Kentucky, huh? Yeah, well, I think it's Kentucky. There's a whole lot of brothers and sisters holding hands around here. Uh Probably is, then. Uh, Well, I'm glad to hear you're doing well. Who said anything about doing well? Well, you're alive. Can you not hear the outrage? I demand reparations. Well, you are alive, Tom little Robinson, T.R. And this show, white men can't jump, should be sending little T.R. money. Well, I, well, it was good hearing from you, little T.R. We're glad 
You're breaking up on us. Oh, don't you dare cut me off, Nate Bush. I will kick your ass when I see you. Uh, Well, you're you're not coming through clear. Well, apparently little TR has cut in and we've lost him. Well, anyway, this is the end of the show. Thanks again, everybody. We appreciate you. Let's hear from uh, this song to wrap up the program. I want a new team, one that isn't owned by Dick, without a coach that makes me scream, one that makes a good draft pick. I want a new team, with players that don't act dead, one with guys who can raise their arms all the way above their heads. We made five draft picks in the year 2018. None of them played a single game for the fucking team. It's a sadist dream. We need a new team. One that makes an attempt. One that don't look like TR after he's spent. I want a new team. One without Joel Embiid. One again, run up the court without the use of speed. One that gets in the playoffs with more than a round or two. We traded TJ McConnell and that just won't do. Ben Simmons could go too. Yeah, yeah, baby. People, I think Tom Robinson could make the Philadelphia 76ers. Hell, Nate Bush and Tim Dumbrova could probably play for him, too. Christ, they could probably use Bruce Povans at center. And while we're at it, why not Nick Hoff, Ed Bogus, and Armando Martinez? Pretty sure the wide man rec league teams would beat the crap out of the Philadelphia 76ers. Hell, the WNBA champions could probably beat the Philadelphia 76ers. Don't forget about Karen on the post. I want a new team, one that shoots like it should. Losing in game seven sucked. Damn Kawhi Leonard is good. I want a new team, one with more guts. One that don't get pushed around again do a simple breakout. One without Jimmy Butler telling everyone what to do. One that makes me feel like I'm cheerful, Giannis Anakakupu. Boy, that would be cool.
Oh, Brett Brown is a fool. Yeah, yeah. Ow. Oh, baby. Is this the best song you ever heard for the 100th episode of Wide Men Can't Jump? I believe it is. This is incredible. This is going top 50, top 20, top 10, right up to number one, baby. Boy, there sure is a lot of extra music at the end of this song. Why didn't Huey put some more lyrics in here? I don't know what the hell he was thinking about. Guess he didn't get the news, if you know what I'm saying. Good Lord, I still got 30 seconds to kill. What the heck would I talk about? Frank, you're a genius. I'd like to thank... Well, I don't want to thank anyone. I did it all myself. What can I say? I am the greatest recording artist in the history of the world. Wide Men Can't Jump is lucky to have me. Without me, this show would be nothing. I am simply the greatest entertainer of all time. That's right, Nate Bush. Not you. Me. Screw y'all. Good day.